At long last, the Grand Admiral Mithra Nerodo Book Club Special is here. We will see you after the jump. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Kenobi! Rebellions are built on hope. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Never tell me the odds. Well done. You're a rebel now. Hello there, Rebels. Welcome to Reckless Rebellion, the podcast with enough chaotic energy to fuel a Death Star, a podcast all about the wars in the stars. I am your rogue leader, electrifying, force-sensitive native to the Chiss Ascendancy, Thomas Carter Rochester, and I am joined by the greatest Chiss minds the Rebellion has to offer. Up first, friend of the Rebellion, writer at thedirect.com, and a recently married man, Tennessee's own, Tennessee's own Nathan Johnson. Yeah, I think my camera's frozen, so I'm trying to figure out how to fix that right now. But it's always a pleasure to be on. It's always a pleasure to chat Star Wars. Talk to you. Talk to everybody in the Reckless Rebellion. Um, but yeah, I just recently got married on June the 23rd. And... Took my honeymoon not directly after. We took it a couple weeks ago. We went to um, Orlando, Florida, and then came back for a week and then went to Colorado last week. So a lot of traveling, but I'm glad to be back home. I'm extremely tired from traveling, to be honest, but <laughs> I'm excited to talk Star Wars, talk some Thrawn. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. Congratulations to you and the missus. And Orlando, Florida, man, that's our stomping ground down here. Well, I say ours because three of us on this podcast used to live in Florida, but now it's just Jack, Jack and I. So, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. And uh, but joining us, making his first appearance, host of the Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics and Canon podcast coming all the way from Jolio, England, Mike <laughs> Burton. Hello there. Yes, thank you so much for having me on, uh, Thomas, and a pleasure to meet you, Nathan, and uh, of course, congratulations to yourself. I recently got engaged as well. We seem to be at similar points in our lives, it seems. <laughs> you got married before me, but I got the house before you. That's quite entertaining. Um, but yes, and I'm also going over to America in about a year's time um, for a month, and I'm actually getting married over in America um, oh. in Vegas, so that's going to be a lot of fun, Ooh. and I'm going to go to uh, Disney World and things in Florida, and travel around a bit, so that's just quite funny. So another hat's off. Great. Great facial hair, great life choices. Nice. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> but myself, yeah, I've got two podcasts. Um, I've had Thomas on some of our weekly discussion shows. Um, there's been Mandalorian ones, Boba Fett ones, and or basically the live action stuff, Kenobi. Um, and Thomas has come on a recent few of those. Um, that's normally on my YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat and the com uh, Comics in Motion podcast feed. And my Star Wars stuff is as well. And I've spoken to a few Star Wars authors and things like that. But I'm just a massive Star Wars fan who's just grateful to be able to talk to other Star Wars fans across the galaxy. Because although I am aiming for positive Star Wars, there's always ways you can critique things. You can be nice about stuff. But uh, yeah, I just absolutely love chatting a galaxy far, far away. So thank you so much for uh, inviting me, Thomas. And pleasure to meet you again, Nathan. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot of good stuff on this episode. But you know what what is that you mean? Ah, we're just gonna talk Thrawn, everyone's favorite blue boy. I've been waiting for this podcast for months. I knew that I was gonna do a Thrawn special leading into Ahsoka, and I was just like, the universe will give me my cohorts because the other rebellion, they, none of them read. They don't know how. Uh, and they, and then they don't even take my advice on not listening to the audiobooks, which has the music, the sound effects. Ah, Jack Jack tried, and he was like, "I just couldn't get through it." And I was like, "I'm sorry, pal. That is unfortunate for I get you." That. I get that. Yeah. I hate audiobooks. I oh. hate them. Wow, I'm the opposite. I've been listening to so I listen to a lot of legend stuff on audiobook. I just bought like a year of Audible, uh, and then I normally read canon physically. And I was like, oh, that will save me money in the long term. Uh, but as you guys will see behind me, I I've started buying the Essential Legends collections because they're that good. So I'm actually doubling up. I'm actually buying it audio and the physical books. But I'm I'm more so a canon junkie. I've read every piece of High Republic content. But I'm I'm trying to get into legends more, especially with um, the audio stuff. And I must agree with Thomas. I think it's fantastic. And he's the damn reason i read the canon and legends thrawn books so uh he's actually the reason not only did he invite me but because of his high praise which i'm sure we'll get into he's the reason so thank you good sir hats off to oh, you thank i'm i forgot about that being the factor so <laughs> hurrah for thrawn not for me uh, <laughs> uh so we will be discussing in biogra uh, biographing i don't know if that's a word but we're making it one now our favorite blue boy grand admiral mithron Yoroto. We're going to present who he was a little bit in the Ascendancy era, then follow his journey through canon, discuss Ahsoka, what we'd like to see from there, and then kind of project forward to the film of Heir to the Empire with the Heir to the Empire trilogy from the 90s, which I listened to. Honestly, it feels like yesterday, but it could have been four months ago. I don't remember when I finished them, um, but I I plowed through all three books Um in like a week and a half or something. Wow. I work a lot outside and it's, uh, I won't say it's not mindless, but there's a lot of time to be listening to books in my job. Mm. So some people like get lucky and get to sit in a, a trailer in an office and watch, watch TV. I get to listen to Star Wars books or podcasts. <laughs> and I tell you, when I don't have a book, I'm running out of podcasts to listen to. Um, Cause I just listened to uh, rise of the red blade super good super good mm. really enjoyed that unexpected how with how much i enjoyed that ep uh, episode it's an episode it's an episode for sure we'll go with that um but before all of that before we dive into that um first i just want to ask like you know i think you guys have discussed how you kind of are doing but i do want to know um First, we'll start with you, Mike, because this is your first time on the show. And what you don't know is that we ask first timers to give us their Star Wars origin story with how you were introduced to Star Wars. Okay, then. Well, uh, anyone who has heard me on Genuine Chit Chat knows I'm very open and honest uh, about this element of my life. So I'm sorry, it's going to get a little bit sad, but it's happy. It's like Star Wars, there's hope and things. Um, but essentially, it was my dad who has since passed away. He passed away about 10 years ago um, of cancer. And so in my, I look on you know, my time with him in certain uh, rose-tinted glasses a lot of the ways, but I've always had this deep, distant memory of um, over here in England, um, one of the channels, I think it was ITV, 
every Friday, it would go through some of the great movies. It would go through the Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones, uh, Jurassic Park, etc. Every Friday, there'd be one of them. And I remember him always watching them and uh, reading a newspaper as well, reading a book while Star Wars was on in the background. Uh, and then the prequels came out and he was excited for them uh, and showed me those as well. And then I remember him, he never played video games ever, but he specifically would read like reviews of newspapers, um, uh, reviews in newspapers of video games. He got me Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which is to this day my favorite uh, video game of all time. Uh, and I'd never even heard of it. He also bought me Super Smash Brothers years prior, which I'd never heard of either. So, you know, two of my top games ever. And he just he read reviews of them and things. And so he always liked sci-fi and Blade Runner, and he really liked Harrison Ford the most. He loved Indiana Jones. He loved basically, I think he kind of wanted to be Han Solo, Indiana Jones, that kind of swashbuckling, kind of cheeky, uh, chappy kind of guy who everyone sort of loves, the scoundrel. Um, so I just have very fond memories of watching that with him. And then, yeah, he got ill and passed away. Um, it was like really before, he had no idea the sequels uh existed it was ju it was just before that kind of the trailer came out or anything like that so when I, I was playing video games after the prequels but i didn't really i watched the clone wars movie what a fan uh and so it kind of took me away but the video games hooked me and then when the sequels got announced then i dive right back in head first where the started reading comics the books and stuff like that and got really deep into the canon uh so and that's because of the sequel trilogy and i feel like my enjoyment now of star wars and the real connection to it is uh, kind of what connects me to my dad in a lot of ways because that happy memories and things and i even have tattoos of force unleashed and of uh, darth vader and the mustafar battle as well um because i think the mustafar battle with anna kenobi one mixing with darth vader is really the glue that holds the two trilogies together and that's kind of mine and my dad's uh you know relationship in certain ways and um, our generations so that's kind of my star wars love really comes from the core of a part of my being connected uh, to family, which is a very common theme and loss and uh, daddy issues as well. <laughs> There's a lot of that in Star Wars. So it all merges together very well. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my story. That's that's great. That was in the, the, the way you connected your father and yourself with the different trilogies. That's poetry. Are you a writer? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm afraid. <laughs> Just a podcaster. <laughs> Ah, could have fooled me. Nathan, you've been on here, but it's been a long time. So for the the Thrawn, the Thrawnies, because this is going to hit Thrawn Twitter, Chiss Twitter, I should say, or Twit, Chiss X. Fuck it. We're calling it Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chiss Twitter is going to hit it. I'm going to pump it out there. So tell uh, tell all of our fellow Chissonites, that's not a word, uh, <laughs> your Star Wars origin as well. Well, mine kind of stems from the same thing that Mike said. Um, I kind of got into Star Wars because of my parents. They, I know they showed me the original trilogy first, and I, but I was extremely little, like before I can even remember. Mm -hmm. But my very first memory of Star Wars, I, I know I've, I've told this story on here before, but it was seeing Revenge of the Sith in the theater in 2005 so I, I was only four years old at that time and when mace windu and the rest of the jedi came to arrest palpatine and then when his face starts to get deformed and stuff four-year-old me had a meltdown turned around i was scared out of my mind my parents had to take me out of the theater and then come back and watch the movie while i stayed with my grandparents but that's my very first memory 
of Star Wars. It's a very traumatizing memory. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I know I watched the movies before that because they've told me that I, I would just be sitting in front of the TV just glued to it watching the original trilogy. Um, but ever since then, it's just been like this growing love and obsession and what can I learn more of? What can I get into now? It's just that Star Wars is so big that there's always different things that you can find and different things that you can read or watch or just learn about. And I think that's one of the beauties of it. And even though I've been a fan of it for so long, there's still so many things that I've yet to get into. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's ever expanding as well right now. Um, you know, they're, they're bringing in Thrawn to live action, which ties into Rebels, but also ties into six other books in canon, three Legends books that tie back to 1991. Thrawn is... Um, believe it's may 1st he was born so he's five months older than me i'm pretty certain he shares the same birthday as my best one of my best friends down in melbourne florida that i went to college with um so it's like oh it was meant to be that thrawn and i would be fans like it would be it was just meant to be to be that kind of fan and i will say that um the the traumatizing part definitely hits uh there's there's certain parts in uh, is it empire yeah of course it's empire they have a lot of snakes in on dagobah and i remember that freaking the hell out of me like i think one falls on one falls on uh mark hamley just tosses them aside and i'm like oh no no thank you uh and then of course the thing that i always remember from empire because i saw those movies the theatrical cut with with the Twi'lek nipples in Return of the Jedi, by the way, that's never forget. Uh, I watched those when I was like seven years old. My dad's like, they're making a prequel movie. Sit down. We're watching Star Wars. And I was like, okay, I love movies. And now he's like, man, I did not know what I was creating. I was like, you have made me. You have made me what I am. And he doesn't even get that reference. I don't even think he's seen Obi-Wan Kenobi. So uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm a live action guy. And I'm like, you watch Mando yet? No. And I'm like, man, I, I feel bad because that was our thing together. But once I started podcasting, I had to take it to the next level. So mm -hmm. I watched an episode without him. Then I went and saw Rise of Skywalker without him. So I feel like I, I screwed my dad over a little bit on our thing. But I'm also so deep in it that it's, it's, it's not the same. Um, you know, I've only listened to 40 something books from Star Wars in like the last, uh, we'll call it three years come September this year. Like I've been blowing through books. So which one's your favorite? Single book or series? Doesn't matter. Both. Either one. Oh, thank God. Thrawn. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Series is definitely all of Thrawn stuff. I love the characterization of him. I love how neurodivergent he is without being quote unquote neurodivergent. Um, the way he sees the world, the way his mind works is it's just super not neurotypical. And I love that about him. And then uh, as we'll see later, he's, he's like, he, he's got valor and he's not afraid to burn something down if it's a stupid thing and he just goes straight forward. Uh, and in, there's just so much great drama surrounding this character in every single book and it it seems 
I, honestly, I think it's just Timothy's on because the way he writes is kind of different. I would then compare, I would say it's probably stuff by Zahn, then Kevin Scott. And then after Kevin Scott, I'm not 100% sure where I lean. On, Claudia Gray for me. On Okay, yeah. See, I, I like Claudia Gray. I, I might have to go E.K. Johnston just because of mm. the Padme trilogy. I love I love Which I've Padme. yet to delve into. It's next to my list after oh, the Thrawn it, stuff. It's good. It's really good. I, mm. I, and I didn't read them in release order. I read them in chronological order. So yeah. I went, uh, cause I didn't like, Oh yeah, we're going to be like right before Phantom Menace. And then I didn't realize that it, Oh no, it's, it's also like Phantom Menace. That's the book. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Oh shit. Uh, and then I listened to Queen Shadow. And then when Queen's Hope came out, I destroyed that book. It was only eight hours and I, I finished it in a full day and went back and re-listened to the next day at work. So, um, I will say that my favorite era, Nathan Johnson, is the High Republic. Um, and that's not even just books. That's just Star Wars. It, I love that it's untouched. I love how many Jedi there are. I love the hope that's there. Yeah, behind behind Mike, he's got, I think, every single High Republic book that exists. Got piece of content. I've got every single comic oh. in fl floppy form. I've got the collection of short stories. I've got the... Uh, art book i've got the uh, illustrated guide too uh, i've got every i've got the path of vengeance down next to me i've i've got absolutely every single piece of high republic content out there apart from there's a couple of idw publishing tales of villainy comics that i've recently found out have the nile in there a bit that's it that's the only tiny bits that i have not got but uh, yeah i'm fully into a high republic with yourself uh thomas but i i want to ask before i go because i'm trying not to go to the high republic because not to do a thrawn yeah um nathan what's your favorite uh book and or book series have interest probably the um the bang trilogy um oh that yeah oh when yeah. i first I, I opened that first book and this was during covid when covid kind of first started and i was at home you know, schools and things where nobody was in school, college, whatever. So I just, uh, I opened that book for the first time and I read the first chapter and it was just like a, like a vacuum. I was completely enthralled in it and I burned through all three books and then I read them again more recently about a year ago and they're still just as good as they were the first time. They're the first Legends book. Uh, sorry, among the first Legends books I read, I read Shatterpoint, which is great. I, uh, Darth oh, Plagueis, yeah. which I loved. But then I got into Darth Bane and I was like, this is another level. And every book is incredible. My favorite is probably the third one. Um, I absolutely adore those three books. And I'm like, you know, I'm a big canon fan, you know, and I'm 100% ha happy with a lot of Legends stuff. And I was just like, The Rising Storm is probably my favorite one-off book and The High Republic is my favorite book series. But I'm like, I, I just don't think I've I've consumed any Star Wars content, bar a few, you know, on-screen things from Clone Wars, Rebels, and the movies, that's as good as the Darth Bane trilogy. And I'm like, I, High Republic, I think the Rising Storm gets very close, and Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, that gets very close as well. But it And Lost Stars is great too, but I'm just like, that darkness of it all, of Darth Bane, and the writing of Drew Carpishan is just, it's phenomenal. And just like you, I was literally listening to audiobooks and I was doing stuff around the house at like midnight just as an excuse to keep listening and just to like, I'll just do the dishes, I'll clean the sides just so there's more Darth Bane. I was like, completely addicted. <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I think that was the, that was the first bit of Legends I read as well, according to, I just kind of looked through my Audible. Um, 
I remember I did some, I did the first two Padme books. Then I did something else that I don't remember. And then, cause I was like, I'm only reading canon. And then I was like, well, I'm kind of out. And my buddy was like, you got to read Darth Bane. You got to read Darth Bane. If you don't read Darth Bane, I'll fly down to Florida and kill you. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> no, you won't, but I'll listen to Darth Bane. I appreciate the threat. And I don't remember how far in I made it, but I was until I was just like, oh my God, this is this might be goaded. And it is like that whole trilogy. The, the amount of times I brought Darth Bane up on this podcast and then get told we don't know enough about him because we're only going on canon. And I'm like, you guys don't even like canon. The idea <laughs> of canon. And you want to tell me I can't draft Darth Bane in a Sith draft because – and we argue about it. So I'm like, I don't want to do anything related to Sith because the Darth Bane is the GOAT. He is OP. You do not want to mess with him. And I was like, and you just because you guys don't know him, that's not my fault. Read a book. Listen to the audio books. Like, oh, uh, I love them. We're about to go on a hard tangent. I will say I love, <laughs> I went down a dark side. I listened to, I think it was Dooku Jedi Lost. Then it was uh, Dark Lords of the Sith. And then it was Darth Bane. And I was, after that, I was like, I got to get out of this, like, <laughs> this dark mindset energy. And let me, what did I go to after that? Uh, dark Disciple. So I cried my fucking <laughs> eyes out. <laughs> um, I will say, actually, Dark Disciple, single, if I had to pick one single book that's not in a series, I might go Dark Disciple because I love Ventress and mm. nothing will ever be a... That's such a core memory because I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods in the middle of building a bike and they get to a specific scene near the end and I'm like, oh no, are they doing what I think they're doing? Oh no. And then I start like tearing up and then it's happening and I'm building a bike and I'm crying. And the lady's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm listening to a book and they're killing a character I really love. I'm so sorry. Would you like to buy the warranty? She's like, no, I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, she was just looking at me like I was insane. And someone comes and checks on me like, you okay? And I just hold up. I was like, this book is killing me. And they were just like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and then, it was, it was, then a chick came and said, oh my God, oh, like, this hugged me. I'm, I'm, my heart's broken. I'm not ready for you. But let's <laughs> Thrawn. Yeah, let's Thrawn because we are already going deep on this podcast. Let's dive right on into our flagship topic. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I sk skedaddled. So I'm going to start off with the ascendancy area. I, area era. I I I I went to Wikipedia, and I kind of dove into what they had for a brief biography of this area. Era brain, get it together. And then I I kind of cleaned up some stuff and added little bits of information that I think is important to what Mithran Yorodo is doing. Simply put, he was born in 59 BBY as Kivura Nuru, with the core name Varan, recognized in his early military career as Mithran Nuru, and better known by his core name of Thrawn. He was a Chismail officer of the Chiss Ascendancy and a Grand Admiral in the Imperial Navy during the Empire, uh, the age of the Galactic Empire. Before joining the Imperial Navy, though, Thrawn served in the expansionary defense fleet of the Chiss Ascendancy, located in the unknown regions of the galaxy. That's their military, in case it wasn't clear. Um, Thrawn was known for both his valor and controversy in the defense fleet. He was adopted into the Myth family early on in his young life, 
and his career was guided by the patriarch Thuraki, the patriarch Lamiov, and Supreme General Bakiv. Now, really fast, I didn't dive into this, but I should just say it now. There are nine ruling class families, and then beneath them are 52 or 53 great families. And that's the hierarchy, the oligarchy, if you will, of the Chis ascendancy. And each family has different aristocra, and it's very political, but the aristocra and the politics is very separated from the expansionary defense fleet. It's a two-branch government, if you will. Um, and they're, they're not supposed to cross over, but they cross over all the time because it's politics. So, you know, what do you expect? Um, these... So uh, Lamiov and Thoraki are technically in, I wouldn't say they're rival families, but each family is kind of like their own mob. Uh, I think it's the best way to describe it to folks who haven't read the book, but some of them work together and they're really close, but then others are not. And it's all about allies and enemies and you know, you know how politics work kids. Anyways, Thrawn met uh, future Admiral Aralani. I believe her core name was Ziara. Uh, and he was paired with her many times in school. His tactics were unorthodox uh, with cunning, and he was utterly annihilating, which rubbed the aristocracy of the ascendancy the wrong way. He has been accused of committing preemptive strikes and communing with unknown aliens multiple times. And because of this and some other things, Thrawn never ascended higher than a senior captain in his native military. Now, all of these names... Uh, from the Chiss are likely to mean nothing in the long run or the future of Thrawn in live action because it's never once mentioned in Rebels, actually. But I want to give you the details anyway because at least you have an idea. Like, maybe it sounds interesting. And I assure you, I'm giving you the broad strokes here uh, because I'm not mentioning any of the side characters, what the mission of the side characters are. I'm just giving you the bullet points of the quote-unquote plot and it's one of those things where you know what the end is, but it's all about the journey because the journey is a twist, baby. Um, so near the end of the Clone Wars, about 19 BBY, the warlike Grisk Hemogeny. Nope, that ain't right. Anyways, the Grisk dickheads began a plot to destroy the Chiss Ascendancy. First, they groomed and trained the Nicardoon general named Yiv, who ruled an expansionist empire in the unknown regions known as the Nicardoon Destiny. Trying not to do all the voices right now. I'll see how long that goes. The Greek Grisk agent Jixtus sent Yiv to conquer or intimidate the nations neighboring the Ascendancy to encircle the Chiss, who could not launch attacks on anyone uh, unless they directly attacked the Ascendancy, because that's their role. That's their law. For whatever reason. Um, Thrawn left his native unknown regions near the end of the first book and traveled to known space, as we would call it, to search for allies against General Yiv. There he encountered the Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars and fought alongside Skywalker during a mission to Mukivja, which we will discuss a little bit more later in the Empire era, I'm sure, giving Thrawn his first introduction to the galaxy proper. Shortly thereafter, Thrawn was instrumental in defeating Yiv's fleet, leading to the demise of the Nicardoon destiny. That's the end of book one. Following Yiv's defeat, Jixus dispatched a group of the telepathic Agbui species to manipulate Chiss officials of three of the Ascendancy's great families, so three of the 53. They get manipulated into starting a civil war in the Ascendancy, 
And Thrawn was, I'm literally giving you like such little information on this book right now. So you should really go fucking read it. It's so good. Thrawn was instrumental in diffusing the Ag Bui plot above the planet Hoxham. Now I am going to give you a smudge of a spoiler here. Thrawn insisted the near civil war be covered up by the officers and families involved to ensure the safety of the ascendancy from ever knowing how close they were to falling into an actual civil war. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what the cover up entails and what they're calling it, but just know there was a cover up. And it's important to know about this because in the third book, after the Agbui's failure to instigate the civil war, Jixtus, whom I believe we finally meet. No, we meet in the second book. We meet, we pretty much see who he is in the third book, enlisted the services of the Kilji Illumin to undermine the ascendancy from within and close nations to the southeast of the ascendancy from Chiss refugees. Close nations, excuse me, I don't know how to read. So I listen to audiobooks. Close off nations to the southeast of the ascendancy from Chiss refugees who would survive the war. He hoped to uh, start um, aware of the, let me put on some glasses because my eyeballs are on fire. There we go. I learned how to read now. Aware of the Grisk's Armada superior firepower to the Chiss expansionary defense fleet, Thrawn and his fringe arranged for several allied nations to unite and defeat Jixtus' fleet in the climactic battle over Sunrise, known as Senior Captain Thrawn's Last Stand in 18 BBY. Three, these three books take place over a year. So keep that in mind when you listen to them because it, it's like it feels like it's happening back to back, and that's because it is happening back to back. I just want to say there's a whole subplot in the second and third book about Sunrise, what Sunrise really is, some people involved, and I did not even mention third sight how important that is um because we might dive into it i suppose in the uh, empire era a little bit but the chiss i've said this on this podcast use um sky walkers aka chiss navigators to utilize third sight aka the force aka the beyond as some in another nation calls it in these books to navigate hyperspace if you've listened to or read the high republic it's very similar to mari santeca um in my opinion i'm pretty sure she's forced she is because she communes with fernestra Rowe, who's going to be we're not talking about the high republic thomas get off that anyways this final stand directly broke the protocol of preemptive strikes and utilized an unsanctioned alliance with multiple alien races the aristocra wanted to punish all involved in the matter but thrawn was the only one punished he was stripped of his rank and exiled from the Ascendancy. Hmm. Unbeknownst to the Aristocra, Thrawn, along with Grand General... That's not right. Supreme General Bakiv and Supreme Admiral Jafosk devised this plan so they could discreetly send him out to scout the Galactic Empire to see if they were allies or could be weakened. Thrawn was meant to infiltrate and report back. None of them believed he would be offered a military position in the Empire. So that's basically the gist of the Chiss Ascendancy. Now, Mike, have you read this? I can't remember if you have or not. No. So I'm the Ascendancy Master as well. Boy, fun. So I think that's probably the best thing for me to do then is kind of fly through this. Um, 
he is Thrawn is seen as ruthless by the rebels and he is ruthless. If you have a purpose, if you are worthy, if you are worth something in the sense of you have a skill or you have a way to see something, you're are uh, you're valuable to Thrawn as an asset, as a player to be utilized. But he also sees other alien races as people. Unlike most of the Chiss, they see them as, oh, they are beneath us. And he's like, I see them as people, people with different skills that can be utilized and people with different skills that can become, um, that can be used against us. And it's my job to utilize those skills as best we can. Um, to get us straight out of the Ascendancy era, since we don't really have a great dialogue to go into here, which is honestly fine because I could go on forever about this area. I want to give you two quotes to give you an idea of who Grand Admiral Thrawn really is on the inside. And these both come from the final book where I realized and started saying, oh, no matter what, Thrawn is not going to be with the Empire forever. But apparently I was wrong, so there is that. Um, he says, my job is to protect the Ascendancy and the Chiss people, sir. Whatever it costs to achieve that goal, I will pay it. A chill ran up Bakiv's back. Whatever it costs. So that ties directly in to his doing what he did and then going on with exile. That was the cost to achieve the goal of protecting the Chiss people, so he did it. Now, my favorite quote from Thrawn ever. Let me explain something, Kilori of Ulandu. The Chiss said softly, shit, I didn't, I put the whole actual book quote in here. Awkward, let me start over because I don't like it. Let me explain something, Kilori of Ulandu. My job, the sole reason for my existence, is to defend the Chiss ascendancy and protect my people. I will do whatever is necessary to achieve that goal and will allow nothing and no one to stand in my way. Do you understand? And that is what I think defines Thrawn at every level. And I think it ties in even more to Thrawn treason and Thrawn alliances as well. Because um, you see that in a bunch of different ways. Uh, and I, I really think th there's been a rumor from Zahn. He's mentioned that he might have stories to write in the era between Rebels' disappearance and his reemergence in Ahsoka. It's nine years to play around in. Civil wars take a long time. I think that uh, that civil war that was being pushed into the, the Chiss and the mentions of what might happen in some of the later books that are set in the Empire era um, I think that's leading to a civil war happening in the Chiss ascendancy. And I think that Ezra dropped off Thrawn there and I got way ahead of myself. I didn't mean to say this here, but yeah, I said the shit. So awkward. My bad. Uh, we'll talk about that more a little bit later to see. Um, do you guys have questions about Thrawn in this era? Do you, is there anything you want to know that might hook you on reading and or listening to these books? This is next up on my list of actually getting through. I was wanting to get through them before Ahsoka, but having a wedding and two week-long vacations 
and moving into a house kind of squash that a little bit, I guess you could say. But I'm going to get to them sooner rather than later. I'm excited yeah. for you for that one. Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Um, not specifically parts of my life, but as in the uh, Ascendancy trilogy, I, I did think about trying to get to it before Ahsoka, but I knew just because of time, I'd only be able to have either the Heir to the Empire Legends trilogy or the Ascendancy trilogy. And I thought that the Ahsoka show is more likely to link with Heir to the Empire than it is with the Ascendancy stuff. Uh, the Ascendancy, Ascendancy stuff is more like ultra deep chiss lore that, as you say, uh, Thomas, I'm not overly sure if it's actually... There might be the odd mention, but I think anything connected to the Chiss Ascendancy in the Thrawn uh, show, or not show, in Ahsoka, and then his assumably subsequent appearances, I think is more going to be what was in the Thrawn books a bit, connecting with Air to the Empire and Legends, kind of like connecting those two worlds a little bit and using a few elements, but there'll be like a couple of characters that are kind of probably maybe got mentioned, but I know I'm getting a little bit ahead, but it's like... Eli Vanto, I think, is one of the fan favorites to show up, as, and then obviously Aralani's uh, character as well. So it's like, you know, Aralani's a lot less likely, but Eli Vanto is like, oh, do we know like what that's going to be like? You know, and I think he's going to almost be like, is he going to be like Pelion was in Legends to Thrawn? Is he going to be different? Like, we know there is Pelion in canon, like because of stuff in the canon that we've seen, but also in Mandalorian as well. He's there, yep. so it's like all these threads of like what what elements are we as the book nerds what are we going to get from uh like even just a little mention you know you love it or you just like see like something in, carved into a wall in kenobi or something it's like oh my god it's a little yeah. thing that no one else <laughs> fussed about <laughs> yeah that's honestly that's that is what i hope for um more than anything is just a mention like I, I've been pitching that like if I had my way and I was given the keys to Star Wars, I'd be like, make me a Chiss Ascendancy show right now. Not a show. I mean, not a movie. I want a show. I want it to be great. I want, I would not even mind adapting one of these books in some way because the Ascendancy trilogy, it's, it's so deep in Chiss lore and the way that they fight and the technology they use is different. Like they use plasma spheres that utilize acid to hit a, hit something and then eat away at the metal and then they hit them there with um, streaker missiles, I believe is what they're called. And it, that basically just does extra damage because then instead of just hitting the hole, it's hitting inside of, you know, inside of the hole and exploding from the inside out. Um, what about a Chiss series set at the time of the High Republic and show the early days of the Chiss? Imagine that. Yeah inject that directly into my brain i <laughs> i would love it's uh, i i uh, i really i've been pitching for a long time on this show and i got to the point where i just stopped it that ahsoka was going to go to the chiss ascendancy and help train the sky walkers to utilize the force as a weapon as uh thrawn said to ezra in the books and He's like the fools, or not the books, excuse me, in Rebels. He's like the Force is a weapon and the Jedi misused it and didn't see clearly on how to utilize it. So it's it's clear that he is a little bit more on the dark side of things because he's like, no, it's a weapon. We can weaponize this. He does that a little bit with Third Sight and some other things in the Ascendancy trilogy. In fact, he utilizes Darth Vader in a way in Alliances doing the same thing with you know, weaponizing it for travel. And he knows how to tap in and be like, 
what do you sense? Okay, I sense the same thing. Oh, you sense that? Oh, I never saw that coming. Let's let's pivot then. Um, so yeah, I would just give me give me all the chess. Give them all to me. I want it all. I want it all. I'm ready, right in my veins. Um, but let's go ahead and move on into the more likely stuff to be utilized in Thrawn canon. Uh, in, in Ahsoka and stuff. I'm glad that I'm done talking for the most part. Now I can just sit back and ask questions. Uh, Mike, do you want to lead us off into the canon series? And then we'll all dive into Rebels together, dive into Ahsoka together, and then pivot to Nathan at the end to project forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, so with the Thrawn books, I initially was, uh, I had my apprehensions about it because I was like, you know, I saw Thrawn in Rebels. I vaguely knew his story in Legends, but I was like, I don't need to know about this character specifically. You know, I, I haven't read the Tarkin book because I was like, I know Tarkin. I don't need much more than we see from him on mm. screen in animation live action. So with Thrawn, I was like, I was a bit unsure. But because you pushed for it, Thomas, and you said, no, they are really, really good. I'd read the comic series prior, the adaptation, and I wasn't a fan. And I don't think, as much as I'm a big comic nerd, you know, my my podcast is all about reading the comics. I would strongly recommend against people reading the comics in this scenario because I think the adaptation just doesn't really grip you in the same way that the book does. And because so much of it is about Thrawn's thoughts, and they put quite a lot of text in the comic, I remember, of his narrative thinking but the book just goes so much deeper into it because the comic is adaptation you know and so i just think when you see the perspective of thrawn and him going up through the imperial army and navy essentially it, it's him starting off at the bottom he gets found on this planet just after you know the ascendancy trilogy he gets found on this planet and he manages to take out basically whole squads of stormtroopers uh, and then he convinces them to go speak to people and after this, this is skipping over a lot of stuff he eventually ends up talking to the emperor and they talks about the chiss and the ascendancy and what he's kind of there for in a, in a way um he doesn't give the whole truth you know over, over the books they kind of elaborate on that with grisk being a central part like the main kind of antagonists in the background but the, th- the first Thrawn book is about his, ironically, his ascendancy, <laughs> but inside the Empire. And it's about him going against what everyone's telling him to do, going against Imperial Protocol, and specifically doing his own way of doing things. And our kind of, you know, as, as you mentioned, Thomas, because Thrawn is quite neurodivergent, and for some individuals, I think it would be hard to sympathize with him. Cleverly, Timothy Zahn has put Eli Vanto in there, who's kind of the everyman. You know, he was just like from this small backwater planet. You know, in the audiobook, Mark Thompson does this quite good southern accent. Um, so it's like you get this feel, and people comment on his accent, the way he speaks and things throughout the book. And he initially feels like everyone else. He doesn't get thrown, he doesn't like him. But as you get to see his brilliance throughout the book, and eventually through the three books, you really get to see. Eli first in the first book he really comes to terms and understands Thrawn and then is on his side and realizes that Thrawn makes him better and then the second and third books are more about the rest of the Empire slowly kind of realizing Alliance is a lot about Vader and has flashbacks back and forth to Anakin Skywalker and the Clone Wars story with him and the modern story and how they connect together and how Thrawn figures out that Vader's Anakin he's one of the only people who ever managed to do that you've got that story going on and then Treason's probably my favorite of the three and that's all about in Rebels when he disappears um, in the episode <sighs> even saying it makes me sad Jedi Knight, I recently watched Rebels again, my boy, my boy. Um, but in Jedi Knight, he disappears for a while and Price uh, messes everything up and it shows you what he's off doing. And it's basically trying to fight for the TIE Defender Project funding by doing this crazy task for um, Orson Krennic because there's Death Star parts basically being nicked and he figures out about the Death Star as well. So it's him 
it is explaining like plot holes in certain ways. Like why wasn't Thrawn here? Why wasn't Thrawn there? But it does it in such a good way. And the dialogue is written so well. And Zahn's writing the way he opens up the world. He, I find with the Ascendancy trilogy, I've seen people online talk about what should they start first. And although I've not read the Ascendancy trilogy, I think the Thrawn books, the original trilogy from canon, is a great place to start because you get a bit of the Chiss information, especially in uh, Treason. You get more of their dynamic. You get more of what the Grisk are, what the Chiss Ascendancy is trying to accomplish. And then going back, you can kind of zoom in a lot on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's basically Thrawn in the Empire and what he's up to and those sort of things. Um, but I, I did wonder, like, I know obviously you're a big fan of them, Thomas, but I did wonder what Nathan uh, thought about them because I know that, although I'm slightly more of an expert on the canon Thrawn stuff more than the Legend stuff because I literally only finished reading that this week, I wonder what you thought, Nathan, of of those Thrawn books as well because I've just been talking for a while. <laughs> well, I haven't read... I've read the first two. I haven't read the mm-hmm. third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really remember why I... T- I think it was just I was in the middle of school. I was mm-hmm. trying to I went to school for journalism and there was a period of time where it was just like the only thing I could do was school. So I think it was something to do with that. And I was just like, I don't have time to do this because I was getting so into the books that mm-hmm. I was kind of like putting other things off. So I was like, I've got to <laughs> stop. But I need to. If I go back, which I will, I'm just going to start back over because mm-hmm. I don't want to come back three or four years later and just read that third book. I'll need to go back and restart the whole trilogy. But I remember liking the second book more than the first. Um, mm. And then one of my friends has read the trilogy a couple times and he would always tell me, you really need to get to the third book. You really need to get to the third one because it is by far the best one. But I just never got around to it because of school and stuff. But I remember liking the first two a lot and um, never I hadn't read um, Ascendancy, like I said. But my first introduction to Thrawn was the Heir to the Empire trilogy and then Rebels and then those two, those first two books of the Empire trilogy. So it was interesting to see how similar the character was in those two books to legends because you think if some some things that are in legends and some things that are in canon regarding the same characters or same time periods Mm -hmm. are completely different but i was very appreciative and very interested in how similar thrawn was as a character in those books and the heir to the empire trilogy Mm-hmm. I will say with uh, I actually found Alliances was my least favorite. Um, oddly enough, I think they're all good books, but I thought Thrawn One was was really really good. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and then Alliances it was just because it was more Clone Wars stuff, and I'm I'm okay with not having any more Anakin Clone Wars stuff. I like the Vader <laughs> stuff, but I was just like any other Jedi in the Clone Wars. I'm happy with. I know it worked plot wise, but I also found a little bit was because it kept going back and forth so much. Mm-hmm. And then when you're going back in time, it's not just oh there's now and back it's back in time with padme who's doing a separate thing to what thrawn and anakin are doing while you've got modern day thrawn doing something else and i just found there were points where it was a bit jumpy for me but i found treason got rid of that completely so i would herald anyone listening 
treason for me was just phenomenal. I, I thought I knew what to kind of expect and where things were going, but the connection with the Death Star stuff was uh, was very intriguing. But the trilogy I found, because I I've, my first introduction to Thrawn was Rebels, and so I knew mm-hmm. about him just from being a Star Wars fan and delving into some of the um, the wider ca- well the wider universe, you know, before the canon legend stuff. Um, I knew about Thrawn. Uh, in general, I knew his general story, but I didn't know him in depth. So my introduction to him was Rebels, and I really liked him as a character. And then reading those books, you really get a new appreciation for him. And as you say, like where I've just finished the Edge to the Empire trilogy, I'm like, they've done it. And I think definitely Zahn is a huge, you know, massive hats off to him for writing the current nine Thrawn books. But I think what Filoni did so well in Rebels is that kind of using what stuff from legends that works very well but not just copying and that's why where i want the canon to go i want canon to use legends content as in i i want the darth bane that's my number one sith stuff is what i want them to fund money into which i think they're slowly moving back there i think they're testing with the literature first with the high republic maybe they'll do the young republic a few years before that um, but then once they either do a big movie or something and explode the world of the ancient sith stuff I really want them to do things of Revan and Bane and all these sort of big hitters, but I don't want just the same story. I don't want them just to adapt the Darth Bane trilogy. Although I think the Darth Bane trilogy is basically perfect, I would rather have a new story with the Bane character and with you know his apprentice and things, uh, Zana, and like I would love that, but have it slightly differently. Have it told in a different way. And then we've got two interpretations. And a comparison I draw for that is almost like the Batman movies. You know, everyone's yeah. got their favorite Batman. But when when Robert Patterson was announced as Batman, apart from people unfairly hating on Robert Patterson, or no one was like, oh, more Batman. Or like few people were. You're like, oh, a new interpretation of Batman. Is it going to be more Dark Knight? Is it going to be more, more Keaton? And the way I kind of view canon and legends is a bit more like that, or like the Spider-Man as well. And it's like, we can have these two universes both being amazing. And there are certain connective points. And I think Thrawn, the way they've done it because of Zahn in the books, in Rebels, and in the other books, I just think it, it does such a nice arc of him. And it feels mm-hmm. like Legends feels like it could, it fits into the canon. You could read the canon Thrawn books and then read the Edge of the Empire trilogy and it would it would work, you know, it would make sense. And that's one of the things I think I love about the characters. He He's one of the few characters that really transcends through both canon and Legends and feels very consistent throughout them. I agree with that because I just did heir to the empire trilogy this year. I'd, um, I'd kind of like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to get that in my head. Cause I know like I, when you read so many books, you kind of have a hard time when someone asks like, Hey, what about this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that's not canon. And I go, Oh, I forgot we we're doing a canon conversation. That's dumb. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you three boys that aren't here today. Um, damn humans. So I, I really loved how I, I felt he was a little bit different, a little bit more mm. evil, I guess is a good way to put it. A in bit more In legends, a little bit more mustache twirly. Mainly in the first, uh, in the first book where he kills that engineer guy for failing on the tractor beam. Like when that happened, yeah. I was like, oh, that's a, you know, Thrawn does kill innocence in Rebels, but that's kind of his last resort. He needs to win under all costs kind of thing. Like linking yeah. in with the, the quote you mentioned from Ascendancy. But I was like, Heads of the Empire just killed someone else. Like, oh, oh, okay. This is a much more villainous from immediately villainous Thrawn. You know, they're yeah. going straight into it. And because of that, I, w- I was looking through some of the rebel stuff last night. And one of the things is he actually, uh, the only time in, 
um, anything in canon that he actually attacks innocents is the end of Rebels. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, okay. And I I kind of forgot he did that. And when I did it, I think when I saw it, I rewatched Rebels. I was like, that's weird. That's a lot of character. But like, I get it. It is what it is. And then I listened to Heir to the Empire and go, oh, no, that's who he just becomes. Like, he becomes that guy. And you can see it's almost like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's almost like little baby Anakin going and becoming Darth Vader. It's like, how can that happen? And then it's just corruption, little by little, year by year. Um, He's 40 years old when he joins the Empire. By the time he disappears, he's 58. So when he comes back, that's another nine years. So he's 67. He's an old man at this point. So his his... His uh, the amount of fucks he has to give is very low. <laughs> so after listening to Legends books, I was like, oh, you know, Thrawn might be like that dude. Like I might be straight up in that. Yeah, Darth Vader, kill everybody mode like I was in Kenobi. Um, and I do love the fact that he is able to trans transcend all of them because um, in Rebels, he he just lines up with with the, the Thrawn trilogy books. It lines up so well. Um so treason is your favorite, Mike. I'm going to have to agree. And the reason I agree, because I listened to the last listen through I did was in chronological order within the universe. Um, and when I got to treason, I could not remember why he had done something with one of the commanders on his bridge. And I remember uh, Orson Krennic's henchman, basically, I couldn't remember why he was edging that on. I was like, oh, I forgot about this little plot thread. So when we get to the end, I'm like, that's right. He just believed in her so much. And that's the thing is, if you're on his team, you're beloved. You are worth something. If you're the enemy, you will be destroyed. And that is something that I think is, it's it's similar to Vader on the exterior of the empire but on the interior they're vastly different and that's why that's what i love about thrawn um in this era this trilogy at least we'll we'll discuss books for a moment i thoroughly enjoy alliances for the thrawn vader stuff i enjoy the anakin and thrawn stuff a lot less but what mm-hmm. I do enjoy is how he makes Anakin look like an idiot at all times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I love Anakin. So having them go back and forth in the way they do, like, <laughs> I don't know how it's written out in the book, but in the audio book, he's like, he's like, he, they're speaking in, uh, Sibisti? No, Mishkalf, I think. And he's like, my name is Mithra Nerodo. And he's like, okay, Mithra Nerodo. It's like, no, 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 no. Call me Thrawn. It's hard to pronounce. Okay, I, I got that, Mithra Nerodo. He's like, it's Mithra Nerodo. It's what I said, Mithra Nerodo. And he's like, Mithra Nerodo. And he's like, all right, Thrawn. And I just love the back and forth. And Mark Thompson, who's the narrator on the audiobooks, crushes it, in my opinion. He's the real voice of Thrawn. But I've also spent like almost a week of my life listening to him in just audiobook format. 
I know the last Thrawn book that came out in our reality was 24 hours, 50 something minutes long. So it's a, it's a long, it's a thick boy. Oh, she's thick. Um, but I, I just enjoyed that. And I think what people disliked about that book is it's a lot less of Thrawn's thought process mm-hmm. because we don't have that first person point of view on things in Thrawn, which is exactly what made me fall in love with the character from the start is that first Thrawn canon book because of how like each chapter starts off with like a clone wars style. Like they have their moral of the episode and then Thrawn will like, a warrior seeks this, seeks that, and a true warrior loves to fail because they learn. They're not afraid. They use it to win. He's like, because it's only a failure. It's only a true loss if you give up. And I'm like, shit, bro. I wrote something down on a book, and somebody at work saw it the other day. I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's a quote from a Star Wars book. And they go, you fucking kidding me? I was like, no. I was like, a warrior is only defeated when he gives up. And he's like, okay, that's kind of fair. I was like, right? Some guy, this is some deep shit. Um, who's your favorite non-Thrawn character in this era that of these books? We'll go with just books. Other than Eli Vanto. <laughs> um, I mean, I really <laughs> like Aralani. Don't get me wrong. She's okay. very cool. Um, very interesting character um, to see how another chiss interacts with thrawn mm-hmm. uh, and i know you said i can't choose eli but i do want to say just another reason why treason is fantastic is we get the return of eli because he's yeah. obviously not in alliances and so because i feel like that human element's missing a bit but i will say i agree the, the darth vader and thrawn dialogue is so clever and there's bits where thrawn is like um oh yeah like when we were you know on this planet and he was like i've never been to that planet with you and he's like Oh yes, I must be mistaken. And he just con- and he's constantly like <laughs> nudging Nate Vader, being like, "You were there with me. I know you were." And then right at the end of the book, Vader just says one line that's kind of confirming, but say, "Don't say it again. Like, do not mention the Jedi." And he, when he, when Vader thinks it's kind of about, you know, in that book, you do get the Vader thought process of like the mm-hmm. Jedi remembers this and the Jedi did that. The way he kind of compartmentalizes his own personality. So I like that element of alliances to clarify. But back to the sort of the the Thrawn characters, I mean, you've got, it's almost per book, you've kind of got a, a new cast of almost supporting characters. You know, I, I don't like um, Krennic's aid in um, in Treason. I think he's unbearable, uh, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Um, but you do get uh, Pharaoh, I think her name is, and she's the one who kind of becomes the new Vanto from Alliances and Treason. And her kind of, um, she again, does what a lot of people do in the, the Empire, wrongly assume things are thrown, but then sees him victory after victory and she really grows as well with him especially that thing at the end of treason so i do like all the characters around thrawn but i think that he needs he needs someone to challenge him a little bit mm-hmm. um but i think that my oh i, I do like the legends trilogy and there's a lot I'm, i know we'll get into that um the legends trilogy but i think although eli vanto and thrawn is probably my favorite kind of pairing i absolutely loved pelly and with Thrawn, and I think mm-hmm. that Pelion with Thrawn in Legends works better than the than Pharaoh does in the Canon Thrawn trilogy. I think Pelion really represents exactly what the Empire's old ways were and why they keep failing. And Thrawn's the new way of thinking. And yeah. Pharaoh doesn't quite challenge him as much as that. You've kind of got other characters who are caught, who are more antagonistic. Um, but in those Thrawn books, I just I, I like it when he's challenged. But my favorite thing in Thrawn Treason is when the um, 
the other admiral uh, the other grand moff i can't remember his name but he one of the climaxes of the book is he challenges thrawn basically and thrawn tries to take out his star cruiser while not on his ship with the instructions he's given to faro and it's meant to not injure any pilots not damage the ship he's on like do all these really specific things of beating someone so completely and his dynamic with that um other moth uh the not other moth the other grand admiral rather his dynamic with him at the start they're quite friendly and it's quite supporting and then as it goes on and as it develops more and more it becomes more when thrawn realizes about his kind of betrayal you've got this rivalry between them and that whole chapter where thrawn is like outsmarting someone he's like two chess moves ahead anytime thrawn gets to do that with a supporting character that's when i'm really in my element for those thrawn books so it's really just whenever he destroys people whenever he beats someone basically it's not specifically yes. is he friendly uh, what with? about you nathan what about you Are you talking about characters or just? Yes. Sorry. I, my whole situation glitched on me. Uh, yeah. So, um, what, what characters in that, in the books did you enjoy that you read for to be honest, the I can't really Ron remember a lot of, <laughs> of the characters. I don't really remember a lot of the story to be completely honest. Um, but what I was, what I was wanting to say was I think that's why I liked alliances better because um, I'm a big fantasy guy. I'm a huge fantasy reader mm -hmm. in books like um, Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings or A Song of Ice and Fire, any of those big fantasy series that switch point of view characters every single chapter. And you're jumping from different place to different place to one character here, one character there that always has kind of been my style of reading and I enjoy that style the most. And then I'm just a big Anakin junkie, I guess you would say. So anything with him, I kind of tend to pay more attention to and gravitate toward. Um, so I think that's mainly the reason why I like that one more than uh, Thrawn. But as far as characters go, I don't really know. We'll talk more about it when we get into the Heir to the Empire trilogy, but you were talking about Peleon. He is always been one of my favorite characters, not only in those books, but just in Star Wars in general. And I I went crazy when I saw him in The Mandalorian. Um, I kind of have always viewed him as a character that the audience or the reader can relate to because he's kind of learning about Thrawn's ways and Thrawn's personality and the way Thrawn goes about things the same time that we do. So it's kind of like we have somebody with us as the reader to go on this journey with. So he's always kind of been one of my favorite characters from any of the Thrawn books, but just from the Empire trilogy, I don't know that I can really name one because I don't remember that much about it. May, may I ask, uh, Nathan, have you read any of the High Republic books? I've read the first two. Okay, I was going to say, because like, when you were describing fantasy with lots of characters and stuff, I just thought Light of the Jedi. I was like, that's one of the big criticisms of it, is like, it's just hard to get into because there's so many characters. But once you get over that hurdle, it's just fantastic. So that's what I was going to ask about. Um, but yeah, sorry. It's <laughs> just a little I side fell in love. I fell in love with Light of the Jedi. It yeah. was just, I read like the first 50 pages of it, and I was like, this is different from any 
thing else that I've read in Star Wars, but different in a great way and something that I can really appreciate. But yeah, that's what I'm currently reading right now. I try to only read one Star Wars series at a time. And mm -hmm. I waited a little late to start the High Republic series. So I'm having to make my way through all those books. But yeah, I've got through two and I'm on the third right now. Mm, very nice. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I had to go back and look up some characters because I want to say Eli Vanto, like, but it's so obvious and he's the everyman. He's the Pelion of this. And I think, think upon rereading Nathan, you'll probably really love Eli. If there's one character that's human, non chist that I feel like I could play, it'd be, it'd be uh, senior commander Eli Vanto. You know, I think I'd do that pretty well. So, or, oh, what's his name? Uh, from uh, High Republic. Oh, uh, my God. Sounds like I got Matthew McConaughey energy. I can't remember oh, his um, name now. Oh, I know his name. Um, it's in it's in the Fallen Star. He's in the High Republic. Uh, uh, Leox Gyasi. That's right. Leox Gyasi. Leox Giasi, Giasi, Yeah, that's the one thing I love about audiobooks is it teaches you how to pronounce them, but shit, I can't spell them or remember them, um, which is why I looked up. It's Grand Admiral Savit in Treason. And uh, yeah, that's the I guy. Love, yeah. I love how they tie into his art in a way later on mm -hmm. in the book. Um, and I love, I just, I love how he's so egotistical the whole time. And what I think happens is, Palpatine seems to have known what was going on the whole time and was just like, <laughs> everyone bow to me. Um, and in fact, what's his nuts get sent to the Chiefs Ascendancy? I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. The kid's the, name. Yeah. Not the, the guy. Clinic, but, um, oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Ronan. That's it. Assistant oh, Director Ronan. Mm -hmm. He, uh, yeah. He, he gets sent to the Chiefs Ascendancy because, you know, He'd be working specifically with Darth Vader, and Darth Vader would just kill him for mm, his annoying views. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, I'd kill him too. Um, maybe, probably. So that leads us like right back into the return of Lethal after these books, and it is so good. Oh, quick shout out! Really love Arinda Price, and it makes me like her more, knowing her plight. And then when we get back to her in Rebels, I'm like. God, I hate this woman. Like, I understand, yeah. but also, like, Jesus H. Um, and it, what, something I didn't mention in the first book, or in, in the Ascendancy era, is the same things that happen on ships. Everyone's against him. People are confused by him. He keeps everyone in the dark, and it pisses everybody off. And so he's got spies on every boat, that, or every ship that he works on, basically. And he's so politically inept. In inside of the Empire, he's way better, like infinitely better than he is in the Ascendancy stuff. Like the there's a, there's a mention like it was the best, it was the most strategic thing for me to do. It was I was given an opportunity, an opening, and I could be a weapon for our Ascendancy. Um, and what I really enjoyed was the difference between him and Aralani in the ascendancy stuff and in this era because night and day like literally night and day she fucking seems to hate him and everyone in the Shis ascendancy seems to hate him because he's like oh you're a turncoat and he's like I was only doing what I must right um I don't I don't know that was like Thrawn Kenobi so 
he gets shipped off into Hopper Spice with some Purgle and Ezra Bridger. Um, so now, before we speak on Ahsoka, I want to know, where do you think Thrawn went at the end of that episode of Star Wars Rebels? And Nathan, I'm you can go first with, on this one. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Start with Nathan. <laughs> you look at you. Are you wanting me to say like a specific planet? <laughs> no, no. Just like oh, where do you what do you what do you think Thrawn's been doing? Um, I think that I mean we know from things that have I guess you would say have been leaked or things that have just kind of come out about what's gonna happen in Ahsoka that he's obviously got in touch with some force sensitive people. He has this like, isn't he supposed to have like this army of undead stormtroopers? Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Like he's supposed to have stormtroopers with white, but like they they're destroyed armor and it's like melded together like Kylo Ren's helmet, but with gold instead of red. Yeah, like, it's something weird yeah. like that. And uh, I mean, I kind of I don't want to go into that yet because we're going to get into like what's going to happen in Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's in, it's anybody's guess, to be honest. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of parallels, not so much as direct copies from Heir to the Empire um, and what kind of happened before that first book in that trilogy. But there are going to be some parallels to that. And I know I brought it up with you. I think I messaged it to you or something about my theory with Ezra. And I'll go over that in a little bit when oh, we yeah. get to that topic. But like, for example, that, um, what's her name in the Ahsoka trailer? Shin. Yes. So I've kind of been thinking like, she's going to be a parallel to Mara Jade maybe. And Ahsoka is going to be your Luke in this show as opposed to like Luke and heir to the empire. Ahsoka is going to be the Luke in the show. Mm -hmm. So, but as far as where Thrawn, what Thrawn's been doing, I guess, I mean, he's had to find those stormtroopers from somewhere and he's had to find somebody that can have that effect on them to bring them like to the point of where they are now to this like zombie like state. And I just, I think it's interesting to think about where, what Ezra's been doing more so than what Thrawn's been doing, because we don't really know a lot about Ezra right now and where he's going to be. Um, I wrote an article a month or so ago, maybe a little bit longer that he's going to have like some martial arts force powers or whatever. But um, I'm kind of more interested to be honest, to see what Ezra has been doing. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. That's everybody's guy. And you are you were a teenager when that was coming out, right? Rebels? Yeah. Yeah, I was 13 when it first came out, I think. Was it was it 2014 oh. when it came out? Yeah, so you were born in 01? Yeah. We're a decade apart, young man. <laughs> Let me uh, turn on my gray hair like now. Uh, what about you, Mike? Where do you think Thrawn has been during this period of nine years? So I think I've got two th 
kind of theories um and i suspect my theory of uh, ezra is going to be the same as nathan's so um i won't get into that i won't try and steal the thunder but i think what's going to happen is they're going to shoot off into the unknown regions and i think what's most likely story-wise going to happen is they're going to crash somewhere and it's going to take like years to repair the ship i think is the easiest way to get them both out i don't think they're going to delve into the chest ascendancy much i think that's probably almost going to be ignored in the live action thrawn i think i think it's going to there'll be a little bit of a mention of it but they're not going to delve deep i don't think we're going to go to uh anywhere that the chiss are like on mass you might get the odd one but i think they're going to primarily steer away from that and kind of focus more on the imperial remnant things um i might be wrong who knows but i think they're going to get stranded somewhere and i or i think there's a potential that we don't know if the pergil can only travel in space they may be able to travel through time sort of world between world stuff so for all we know the pergil could take them go through a wormhole or something and then they just come out nine years later like at the time of mandalorian and ahsoka and they don't realize what's happened and then they come out and they're like we need this war to fight and yeah. stuff and then it's like oh everything is gone and has been for ages and i i feel like something like that is either the time thing or being crashed on an, on a planet is the most likely because if they just went back to the chiss you would have to explain so much maybe they will maybe there'll be a thrawn series or something but you'd have to spend like five minutes e explaining exposition just to really scratch the surface of what the chiss even are and i don't know they're going to spend that time with it and then ezra just being convinced to stay out there the whole time like i don't i don't think that that's likely to happen i have my suspicions of what ezra could do or things like that but yeah I, I think stranded or some sort of time hole thing is much more likely and they will probably have learned to work together a little bit i think that's going to be a given but um that's yeah. my general theory i'd say i kind of think too real quick um that now I, I assume we might get some sort of flashbacks to what has happened in between i mean mm -hmm. you can you could explain it through dialogue and exposition but I feel like it's probably going to be more effective to show people mm -hmm. little bits of what happened. Maybe because I heard something too, about this being broke up into two parts, like the first four episodes. Is it, is it a six or an eight episode show? Eight. That's what I thought. The first, the first four episodes were going to take place prior to um, the rebels epilogue. And the last four were going to take place after. Mm. So, if that's true and the last four episodes are after the epilogue, maybe we get some sort like every week we get a cold opening to what's been happening between this, these time periods, perhaps, mm. I don't know, but I think help. I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but my point was, I kind of think this is going to be one of the rare times that we see Thrawn actually struggle and not just physically and but mentally as well. Like we always know him to be this just stone minded, nothing emotionless kind of character that can think through anything, can use his intelligence to get himself through anything. But I kind of think this might be one of those times that we actually see him really struggle. And I think that would make for a very interesting dynamic because we're so used to seeing the one side of him. If we were able to see that different side, I think it could be very effective. Yeah, and I think that could link in like if if for example they crash land on a planet and it was just the two of them that are uh, him and Ezra and then they were like I think of like castaway sort of vibes just the two of them 
spending ages, you know, trying desperately or maybe even like District 9 kind of um, vibes where it's like, we need like this much fuel and we have to check through every square inch of this broken Star Destroyer. And it could take years to get enough hyperspace fuel coaxium to actually be able to activate XYZ again. So I think what you're saying there is like a really good shout. And I think you'd also, with the audience, as you say, show not tell, if you saw Thrawn fight like a creature, like with Mm. a spear, and he can go like... um, tit for tat with Ezra for example if you saw him and you see how we do in Rebels I think that'd be a really good shortcut and I think what you're saying with the flashback is interesting and I this is my own theory is that the reason they're doing a two-parter for Ahsoka is the first part is going to be what's Ahsoka doing air quotes now in the Mandiverse fighting you know probably clashing sabers with that Inquisitor we saw probably killing it and then the second episode will potentially then be a flashback and be like Okay, here's the Soaker action-y stuff. Here's grabbing you. Now, how does she get there? Now, that's not basing it on anything I know, but that's a theory as well. So I think there definitely needs to be in the Ahsoka show. It needs to be pulled back to really ev- vaguely explain who Ahsoka is, what she was doing, why she wasn't about during the Galactic Civil War in the films. And I think that would be a really good balance that if we saw that, you know, who knows? I don't know if a Thrawn series is coming either because it's like, if we're just getting the the movie that Dave Filoni's making and the Ahsoka show, and maybe we're going to get more series of Ahsoka, I don't know. But if they put a Thrawn series in, if that was in development, I'd be like, they're going to use Thrawn really sparingly, I think. But if there isn't going to be that series, they are going to have to build him up as a character before showing him off in a movie, or the movie's going to be ages trying to explain who he is. So it's, it's a weird, I don't, I'm not jealous of Lucasfilm right now trying to work out what, how much of Thrawn to use <laughs> on screen post Rebels. <laughs> Do you have any theories, Thomas? Um, my initial theory before re-listening to all of the books was they're going to be stuck in the world between worlds. Hmm. Um, and everything we'd seen from Ahsoka was, looks like they're tapping into the world between worlds. Even in the trailer, um, that star map looks a little bit, like it looks like there's a center of the galaxy, but it also doesn't look like a normal star map that we've seen. Um, it looks a little different. So could be of the unknown regions. That'd be amazing. Um, and it could be of, you know, a map of the world between worlds. Like you can actually map it out. There's a possibility of that. I always thought they were stuck in the world between worlds um, because of the Purgle and Ezra's ability to like, I, I feel like he has the ability. He's the chosen one to tap into that and protect the world between worlds. Um, and the best way to keep them off is to keep them stranded in the world. Like, I like the they're there and then they're immediately out in the same way how Ahsoka, you know, it was years later when she was saved. So they go in there and then it's basically just waiting on a way to get out. Um, but I really like the idea of them getting stranded on a planet together uh because really then it's just ezra bridger and thrawn in the entire chimera like the whole seventh fleet is basically taken it's not just the chimera it's a shit ton of ships that are left at least um but i do think after listening to all the books and hearing chronologically where things are going and then building up to like Ezra commuting with the force and then just going, I know what I have to do now. And one of the very last things that um, Thrawn says in a book that's come out after is the quote of, I will do anything and no one or nothing will stand in my way. 
as well as the hints of how deep it is in that civil war and how things are going. Um, and then there's a line, let me see if I can find it really quick, uh, in that book. And it is someday Mithron Yorodo, you'll overthink and overplan and it will come crashing down all around you. When that happens, I hope someone is there to lift you back to your feet. I think that's Ezra and his failure at, uh, Lothal may just mean Ezra lifts him back up to save his home because that's something Ezra would do, right? And why would Ezra stay there protecting innocence? It is what a Jedi would do. He's going to fight a war that the Force needs him to do, right? He's decided to follow the will of the Force. And I think that's where it goes. And I actually don't think they go there immediately. I think they, I love the idea of them utilizing the world between worlds. So they're off the table entirely during Return of the Jedi. But I could see them going right there immediately and then there's a nine-year civil war or you know a seven-year war and it takes Thrawn that long to conquer whatever it is. And there's a damn good chance it's complete mutual destruction and the Chiss Ascendancy is gone forever, which would break my gosh dang heart. But you know, it, it would be it would be something if you know he comes back and it's I think they could write it off in a single line. Yeah, wherever you were, I was home. With my people fighting a civil war did you win no nobody won there are but a small remnant of my people still surviving that's enough to be like oh shit um there's such a cool weapon in the chiss ascendancy that nobody knows about ha <laughs> ha it's gonna be cool uh and, and actually if he brings that back from the chiss ascendancy everyone's fucked and it could lead to oh man it could lead to the building of a starkiller base now that I think about it because it utilizes the energy of a sun and that reminded me of starkiller base when I heard it last but I think he's been there um, doing the civil war thing and I'm hoping that that's a thing just so we get a Timothy Zahn trilogy in that era of Eli and Aralani and Ronan and Ezra and Thrawn and Aralani, all of them back together trying to save the day. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And that's mostly the reason why I want it to be like that. The idea that we might get flashbacks is something I've not considered with Thrawn. I've hoped for it, but hearing how they're structuring this, that'll be interesting. And I think that it'll be Ahsoka before the Rebels thing, right? I think we could start off with like, you know, it's been a while and all that good stuff, but re like they've they've shown all of that so much that I, I'd be I feel like it'd be weird if they didn't start with some of that. But it's a must to go back into what Ahsoka's been doing prior, and I think the idea of some of the world between worlds shit we've heard about, or at least flashbacks with Ahsoka and the you know Anakin's supposed to be there, and all of these things would be very interesting. Like they mention Anakin in the trailer twice. We're, we're going to get a flashback because the audience yeah. people have to, like we know Ahsoka, like a lot, not no offense to anyone listening who is identifies as this, as a Star Wars normie, but like I'm just saying normies are ones who have only seen the films, which are fine. I, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you've only seen the original trilogy, if you've only seen the prequels, if you enjoy Star Wars, you're a Star Wars fan, you know, that's it. Oh, yeah. But Star Wars normies are people who have only seen the films. And that is like, 
80 to 90% of all people who watch Star Wars, probably nearer the 90% mark, like us as book fans and comic fans and people who like even the uh, the legends and the EU and stuff, it's like the amount that actually read the literature and that sort of stuff pales in comparison to the ones who watch the movies. And I think only, you know, the ones who watch the animated stuff of all the ones who watch the movies is also not a huge amount. I imagine mm-hmm. that's probably only about a fifth, maybe even a tenth of people who watch the movie. In fact, probably less than that. Like I know I could name... Yeah. Almost everyone I know has seen most of the Star Wars movies. Barely anyone I know <laughs> has seen all the animated stuff. So I think one thing with Ahsoka is it's going to be is they need to establish she's Anakin's uh, apprentice and her leaving the Jedi Order and what she kind of her knowing about Vader. And then mm-hmm. also I think we're going to get Hayden Christensen. I wouldn't be surprised if they have just some sort of like vague conversation that kind of mixed with maybe flashbacks or something, kind of exposition-y stuff. And okay. even maybe, you know, that could lead into her kind of explaining what she was up to in that sort of Rebels time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm super hyped. As long as I don't, I just don't want too much like shot for shot remakes of stuff. Like yeah. I'm all up for, like I like with Kenobi for its faults. I do like the show with the Kenobi show. The flashback with Hayden and Obi-Wan was incredible because although it wasn't necessarily anything that was something we hadn't seen before it was actually a confrontation that we hadn't seen before with those two that linked in mm-hmm. with the story and that's what i want i don't want it just to be like okay and here's you remember that clone wars episode where you know anakin and yeah. Ahsoka did this let's have a I don't, I don't i want more content you know <laughs> i want even if it's just little conversations and my number one thing is her finding out anakin turned to the light side like i just i need to see her face when she finds out luke turned vader back that's my like Apart from a Canaan Force ghost, that's my number one kind of want from it. I know something I, wrong, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Hey, I love everything about that. Uh, everything you just said, and it's important because we're here in the Ahsoka section now. Like that—that that is the point of why we're doing this. So, like, perfect time to start throwing out our Ahsoka theories, uh, for sure. Um, where was I going with that? Right. So, a Thrawn flashback. And Hayden Christensen. Hmm, I wonder if there's a chance that we might see them together. I think like over under. The odds are like 5% maximum, I think, to see Thrawn and Anakin together. Thrawn and Vader seems a little bit more likely, but I don't I doubt we get that. Oh, God, if we got that, I would lose my shit for sure. I think you just mentioned it. Characters, yeah. I think I Thrawn, think it, when he confronts Ahsoka, he will be like, um, you know, because uh, even because they mention Anakin in the trailer, I don't think that's the only time we're going to hear Anakin's name. So I mm-hmm. think it's going to be quite a thing that for us who know who Ahsoka is, it's going to be kind of bashed over the head that she's Anakin's apprentice just because of all the sorry guys normies <laughs> that don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, so since we're here talking about Ahsoka. Where do you think, what do you think about Ahsoka being Sabine's master in the trailer? Like, what does that mean? Nathan, do you have any ideas at all? Because I think a lot of people are kind of blowing it out of proportion. Um, Maybe I've only seen like the negative side of it, but I've seen so many people complaining about that and talking about how it it doesn't need to happen. Sabine doesn't need to be force sensitive, doesn't need to be becoming a Jedi. And I'm like, I don't really think that's the direction that they're going. I mean, we briefly saw, you know, Kanan kind of quote unquote training her, Mm -hmm. Sabine with the trials of the dark saber. 
uh, part of Rebels. So I think it's going to be more like a like a sisterly kind of love and let me show you what I know and what has gotten me through my hard times more so than I'm going to teach you my abilities and what you can do. I think she's going to be there more for her in an emotional way and to help her get through the things that she's had to endure more so than like training her in her abilities. What about you, Mike? So I think the lightsaber's a red herring because at the end of Rebels, we saw that Sabine had Ahsoka's lightsaber because he gives it to her before he goes off of the pergil. And we see her having a green lightsaber. And I think it's just going to be, she's going to be taken off guard by Inquisitor or someone who she shouldn't be fighting with. But because of her training prior with the darksaber and her abilities as a warrior, she's going to have Ezra's lightsaber and try and use that to kind of defend herself and she's probably going to get saved by Ahsoka in some way and I agree with Nathan I think it is going to be more there, there might be some links to Jedi training but because Filoni made it and there didn't really seem to be any hints in Rebels of her being force sensitive there's in the finale there's like a smidge but that could really when I first watched it I didn't think oh yes it means force sensitive I was just like I had no inkling of that and so I do think it's it's going to be more of a yeah, because Ahsoka doesn't even consider herself a Jedi, so it's, it's almost be like maybe Sabine is a bit force sensitive, and she can kind of like almost like Mars Kanata, where it's like sense the force a bit, kind of get tuned in. Maybe she can get like a battle focus thing kind of going on, where she can kind of really hyper focus. That why that's why she's such a good warrior. But I think like using telekinesis and mind tricks, that sort of stuff. I, I don't think that's where they're going to go with it because then i'm all fine with you jedi during the imperial era even though yoda says you know you're the only hope to luke essentially it is that kind of thing where it's like you can't have too many about just for the sake just kind of about and it'll be like where did that come from because by the trailer it seems like oh ahsoka's kind of been away for the galactic civil war then she comes back to see sabine and then what she's felt an awakening but it also is like contradicting my own self is like, well, Ray was, I think, 19-ish when she had her awakening in The Force Awakens. Mm. And so it's like, could they argue that? I I don't... I'm unsure, but I am personally leaning more towards what Nathan uh, was saying. Yeah, I... In the trailer, when she's fighting Shin, her hand goes up at some point, and Shin's like, you have no power. And I've rewatched that scene multiple times, and it's talking about the Force. She doesn't have the force. She's just very capable as a warrior. And because she has the Mando tech, it as we've seen, you know, Ahsoka versus Mando in that one episode that they were both in together in, in Mandalorian season two, not any other show that exists, of course, that never happened. But um, they go, you know, toe for toe to each other with the tech. And that's what the tech was made for. I want a Mandalorian Jedi war. It's all I want. Please give it to me at some point in the future. Animated, live action. I don't give a fuck. But I think that's kind of exactly the same thing that's going on. And I think the only reason that Ahsoka has gone back is because she knows that Ezra is relying on Sabine to find him. I don't think it's because she wants to team back up with Sabine. I think she feels guilt there. Um, and, you know, she works on that, but it's like, you know, I can't team train you on much or, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you weren't, you didn't go easy on me. It's like, neither did my master or whatever. Um, but 
moving off of that, let's let's go to a couple questions I have for you. Um, number one, I think this is going to be simple. Uh, you guys have hinted at it. How much do you expect to see of Thrawn and Ahsoka? We'll start with Mike. Um, I don't think we're going to get that much of him. I think he's going to be used very sparingly, and I actually think Ezra is as well. I think the again the the Ezra hologram they they wouldn't show such a drop like Ezra being in the show, but only hologram if they weren't training us somewhere. Like we see lots of Hera, we see lots of Sabine, we even see Chopper, like and we saw Zeb in Mando series three. So it's like we know they're all somewhat about, but Ezra we only saw the. Uh, the hologram and when i did uh rebels reviewed series four over on my youtube channel on uh comics in motion um we watched rebels myself my friend dave who'd seen it once before i'd seen it twice before and our friend math who'd never seen rebels before and he actually said that at the end when ezra tells everyone about the pergil and he's gone away and stuff that um he leaves a message for them a hollow and math said that it could be that hollow that they're looking at and so it, the whole show is probably going to be the premise of searching for ezra and they're not going to find Ezra without Thrawn or some sort of connection there. And obviously, when we saw Ahsoka in uh, Mando Series 2 episode, she's asking for Thrawn. Like, where is Thrawn? And I feel like Ezra would probably be with her if they'd found him by then. So I yep. think that we're going to get a, f a few flashbacks, you know, maybe something linking with Rebels in that way or some sort of prior connection to Thrawn, just so we kind of have an idea of what he is. Or it's just going to be he's constantly spoken about and people are always talking about where's Thrawn, where's Thrawn. And then right near the end, it's going to be like more of a reveal. I think there's not going to be that many episodes he actually appears in. I'd say one or two small appearances and then one quite big appearance near the end to be the crescendo that will probably end in a loss and probably the death of someone in from Rebels. Excuse me. Um, it would not surprise me or some sort of hard or a new character that's probably going to die. And then when we get into like future star wars content that's when like heir to the empire i wouldn't be surprised if when they make what well, it's not going to be we don't know if it's going to be called heir to the empire but the feloni movie that's probably going to be called that like i wouldn't be surprised if they do like an avengers infinity war style where half of it's thrawn and the other half of it is like the air quotes goodies so i said a lot there long story short i don't think he's okay. gonna be in the ahsoka show that much because <laughs> of what they hinted with ezra okay yeah that's fair what about you nathan I always like to bring a point like this back to how much Vader was used in the original trilogy mm -hmm. because his screen time is very low, but it had such a big impact. And, you know, sometimes less is more, as people say in a lot of different scenarios. I think kind of the same thing Mike was saying, less would be more in this show in regards to Thrawn. I think if you have him on screen in every episode and it's kind of an oversaturation of Thrawn. It kind of takes his effect away in the show. Um, I kind of, I kind of agree with what Mike said, uh, a couple little appearances. And then that kind of near the end, the big, his big moment in this show. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is really a Soka's, show i mean it is a it is a sequel to rebels but it's called ahsoka so you would expect it to really be mostly about ahsoka yeah i mean i kind i just kind of i think it would be more effective if they used him in a lesser way and i hope that that's what they do 
you know, it'd be a cool idea is if they used your idea from earlier, the cold open and the cold open was like a few seconds of audio or something or like a broken ship with Ezra and Thrawn. And like, you just get a few seconds each time of what happened to them. And then the last episode, you get like a full blown explanation. I, I would love, love something like that. And your point about Vader is very good. I didn't, I, I didn't really consider that, but that's a, that's a very good idea. Loving it. That would be that would be extremely cool if they did what you're saying with the cold opens. That would be amazing. Man, now we're dreaming. Um, do you guys have any idea of what Thrawn's plan is? We'll start with you, Nathan. I think that it's going to be, as far as his plan goes, I think it's going to be ripped straight out of Heir to the Empire, and it's just to bring the Empire back to its glory and to get rid of the new Republic or as he calls it, he still refers to them as the rebellion, even in the heir to the empire trilogy. I think that's just his end goal. I think it's going to be taken straight from the page and put onto the screen in that way. Mike. Yeah, I was going to be in agreements. I think there are going to be tweaks, um, but I suspect what's going to happen is the movies we're going to get or the, the, yeah, how the Mandoverse is connecting. I think Ahsoka linking it again with what Nathan said uh, about um, her mirroring Luke in her own series. I think it's kind of the canon Thrawn interaction heir to the Empire Mandoverse stuff is going to be Ahsoka versus Thrawn in the similar way that it was Luke versus Thrawn, where she's going to kind of be off doing side stuff almost, kind of doing her own vague thing while in moments interacting with him while the rebellion is really fighting against him. And I think the Ahsoka series is setting the platform for people who've never seen Ahsoka before. Like Tales of the Jedi Ahsoka stuff, it was cool, but it basically felt like here's a, a speed through of Clone Wars. It's almost like here's a really ultra, ultra, ultra abridged version of Clone Wars condensed into basically essentially half an hour. Like here's her whole story. So if you want to just jump into Rebels or the Ahsoka show, you can kind of do that. And I think Ahsoka is going to be, she's she's going to be a focal point of Air to the Empire. I wouldn't be surprised if she makes some sort of sacrifice because, you know, and I, I want to hear Nathan give like the full lowdown of the Legends uh, books in a sec because I'm going to be connecting him with that. But like with Rook, where he was killed in Rebels, you don't get, the end of the Air to the Empire Legends is immediately mm -hmm. different. The oh, Nogri yeah. are basically not mentioned in Rebels at all. I think in, I, I had to double check on Wikipedia, but, the No Green Cannon first appeared in the Cassian K2SO special comic one-off. And then apart from that, they were just in Rebels and the Thrawn books. So we've got no No Green history. And I don't think they're going to go into the same depth that they do in the Legends books, which I really was enjoying. But that I don't think they've let the groundwork for that. So the whole Rook thing is not going to happen. So it's like, you know, could it be Eli Vanto who does the betrayal? Or are they even going to go down that road? Is Are they going to try and change the Heir to the Empire plot a bit more? Have Ahsoka die to save Thrawn? Because that would mean she's not in the sequel trilogy. That kind of thing. But I think that would be in a big movie. And I think it's like, well, if we just did a movie with Ahsoka and Thrawn, then no one, no one who watches just the movies is going to know who Ahsoka is. So here's a live action series. So you get into her as a character, a little bit of time between, so you can watch the animated stuff if you want more. And then a big movie where it's going to be like, she takes the ultimate sacrifice and kind of does what Rook would uh, do. But yeah, that's my kind of thoughts. I, that is very interesting. I want to bring back that Dave Filoni said that Ahsoka may not be dead in that Rise of Skywalker moment. True. So we never know. 
in fact, I think it was after that he drew a little photo and it was like, Hey, remember what? And it was, it was, it was, uh, the Lord of the Rings guy, Gandalf and Ahsoka. And it was like, they also, they also thought I was dead for a while. And it's like, Ooh, and I'm pretty sure that was, that came out after rise of the Skywalker, not before she appeared in rebels again. But I think that was a great segue to hand it over to Nathan so we can dive in a little bit to the legends and then project a little bit more forward to the Heir to the Empire film or trilogy. We never know. It might turn into a thing. Sorry, I was muted. Um, how deep do you want me to go into this? Because we could be getting into potential spoilers. Mm. I will say it's a Legends book, and as we know, the ending is already different. So uh, here's That's here's perfect. the thing. Here's the thing that I'd like to start off. Let's start off with a good question. Do you think Han, Luke, and Leia and Lando are going to be in the Heir to the Empire stuff at all? I, I don't think they're going to make a single appearance. Maybe, maybe mentioned by somebody in the New Republic. There may be a name drop, but they will not be on screen. That's my opinion at least i'm i think luke will inevitably because he's such a draw for the audience but i think he will take more of a back seat he's going to be focusing on the jedi order stuff maybe and i i don't think leia is going to show up i don't think han solo is i think lando might only on the basis that where we've now got the more you know everyone was like what's going on with the lando show that sounded really exciting and kind of the hope it's going to be billy d williams narrating the the carries in chronicles doing flashbacks with donald glover like they could age up donald glover and have him in there. Like, you know, with Mon Mothma appearing in Andor and then she's in the Ahsoka trailer. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a character from another era, but she, they're still alive in this point. So I think it'd be a very clever way to do that, you know, even in a business sense, that synergy. Get a bit of buzz around the Lando series if you have just a bit, just a, a cameo appearance almost, or like, we need a ship from somewhere. I know a guy. And have like in Rebels where he just pops up and he just no big thing they just are like yeah we know lando whatever and it's like it's for us the audience is like oh my god but everyone else is like meh because he did not get his due diligence in the sequel trilogy let's all be honest like i have my issues with sequels i enjoy them i think i enjoy all the trilogies for different reasons but lando was a bit shafted and in the shadow of the sith book he gets a lot more to him and oh. you know billy d williams is incredible but and donald glover in the solo style story was one of the highlights but it's like i would love for that I think you're I, I think you're betting against it that we're gonna get Han or Leia and I think Luke is gonna be used sparingly. Because there's rumors as well, like is there gonna be like a Luke animated show to show off he was off doing other stuff? You know, he was you know, in the High Republic there's a thing which explains that Yoda wasn't around for basically all of phase one of the High Republic because he gets he stuck on this planet. Um you know, stranded again. So I, I wonder if they're gonna maybe do something like that with Luke or he's off with Luke, with Law Santeca away yeah that's a that's a really good thought actually i think that i think that would work out i i think the only way they do it is if they recast all those characters and bring back alden ehrenreich and the likelihood of them doing that is super low and i think they're just afraid like the and i say this because the only person who should play leia in my opinion is her daughter and and she's already subbed in for a couple times um so if she's up for it great i think the guy who subs in for luke now is perfect i've not seen him act but he probably can act um and then i i love alden as han solo i really do um solo is my sixth favorite like my sixth highest star wars movie out of them like the ones that i like the most um 
And of course, like who doesn't love Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian? So oh, yeah, uh, I, I put it as <laughs> just like Oppenheimer, near zero that they appear. Oh, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Oh, well, it's in the trailer. <laughs> oh, I see. Sorry. I, I didn't okay. get the reference, but I've seen the trailer once, but I'm seeing I'm seeing Oppenheimer tomorrow, so I'm very excited. Well, technically today now, actually, because it's past midnight. So it's technically today I'm seeing it. I'm very excited. <laughs> and I'm going to be in the sleep. <laughs> uh, all right, Nathan, without further ado, uh, guide us through Ed of the Empire. Well, one second, because you just said something, and I need to clarify if I, if I heard you right. Did you say that you think Solo is the sixth best Star Wars movie? It is... In my rewatch rankings that we did for the Rebel rewatch, it's my sixth out of okay. eleven. That's good. Then I see. I thought I was the only person around here that even <laughs> really had a love for that movie, but I just had to make sure that I heard you right. Uh, I enjoy I, it too. To clarify, uh, I won't oh, get yeah. into it because we'll we'll have to we'll do a whole podcast oh, yeah. of it. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy it too. May may not be sixth, but it definitely is not the worst and is definitely misaligned. But sorry, Nathan. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, I think it's definitely overhated, and every time I watch it, I have a very good time with it. Anyways, sorry. Um, so, Heir to the Empire, I kind of think, and I'll get more into my theories in a minute about what will be pulled from Heir to the Empire, uh, the book, into the show, but basically, the first chapter is Thrawn. You are meeting him from the get-go. You're kind of getting into his mind, and I think one of the most important parts about that chapter is the first time you see Thrawn, he is looking at his art. And it's not an actual art gallery. It's just a hologram of this entire room because he can't actually get his hands on all of these pieces. But you see the chapter from Peleon's point of view and you meet Thrawn and he's looking at his art and they're going through this whole Abroa Sky thing so that he can get this key and at first we don't know um, we don't know what this key is, but by the end of the chapter we know that he is. It, he says it's the key to destroy the rebellion for good. It will the empire can come back, the rebellion can be destroyed. So from there he starts to plan this attack on the Slewis Vaughn shipyards um, so that he can get star destroyers, and he does this. He just basically spends the whole book trying to set up this operation. And that is the climax of the first book is that Slewis Vaughn shipyard attack that he pulls and quick spoiler alert. He does not, he's not successful in that. That is his, he gets defeated there, but he has an interaction with Luke Skywalker in the book. Um, and there's some other characters that appear too that I don't think will be a part of, um, what's going forward in the shows or the movie like Talon card. I don't think that they're going to bring him into this. Maybe they will. Which makes me very sad. He's like, he's like probably my favorite part of all of the books. He's incredible. Mark Thompson's narration in the audiobook as well. Fantastic. So I just want to throw that in there. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a stand for Talon card. <laughs> I am as well. I want to say that the way that Talon card is written and how Thrawn is written, I feel like he just in, in, uh, Going back when he does the Chiss Ascendancy, he combines those two characters a little bit more um, with how it's written. Because Talon Card is 
like all about assets. Oh, you have information that I want. That's all right. I'll wait for it. Thrawn does that. But in this book, these books, he's not like that in any way. He's just like so ahead of the game. But then he's like, hmm, a man like this. It's like they're two sides of the same coin, similar to Night Swan. Sorry, Nathan. It also makes me sad that Talon Card's not going to be a part of this because one of my favorite interactions from Heir to the Empire is when uh, Thrawn and Card, when when Luke is there, and I can't think of the planet's name right now for some reason, but Luke is literally there and the Empire's searching for Luke and they have this 30,000 credit bounty on him. And you can tell Thrawn kind of knows and he's talking to Card, trying to push it out of Card, and Card's not really giving him the information that he's wanting, but he can tell something is up. So that kind of makes me sad that Card's probably not going to be in this because I would love to see just that scene on screen. But anyways, um, I'm trying to come up with all this off the top of my head. You, you, I'd almost say if you follow the through line of Peli and Thrawn and yeah. tiny bit of the Nogri, because all the Luke and like the Luke stuff's cool, but it doesn't actually interact with Thrawn directly as much with the Mara Jade stuff. So I, I would likely recommend that. But I'm happy as much detail as you want. <laughs> so I don't even remember what I said last. Um, he's trying to build toward this Lewis Vaughn operation. Um, he goes to <clears throat> the planet Merker. I think that's how you pronounce it. See, I don't listen to the audiobook, so I just pronounce things the best I can. And Wayland, which we actually saw in the Bad Batch, is Palpatine's secret base. And it's this facility that has 20,000 of these cloning spheres, kind of. So Thrawn is trying to utilize those to the Empire's advantage, and he thinks that's what the key is that he gets at the beginning of the book is the location of Wayland. So he's in possession of this cloning facility. And then he goes off and meets a dark Jedi named Jorah Sabaoth, who becomes a very important character. But once again, I don't think that he's going to be in any of this coming up. I'll get into theories in a second, kind of build on what I was talking about earlier as to how certain characters that are in canon will play the roles of these characters from the books. And I have my own theory about who the replacement for Sabaoth will be, but I'll get into that in a minute. And then he basically just tries to strike a deal with Sabaoth. Um, he tries to get him so that he can get kind of, he uses Sabaoth to use the force so that he can kind of keep control over his entire fleet, You, I guess you would say. He uses Sabaoth to tap into the force and keep everybody in command because he ultimately says that that's what led to the fall of the Empire when the Death Star was destroyed because the Emperor and Vader died. They had nobody in command to lead them. So he he wants to use Sabaoth for that. Sabaoth wants Luke and Leia. So Thrawn kind of strikes a deal with Sabaoth, but then goes back on him and tries to be deceitful toward him. But... As I was saying, the Sluice Vaughn operation at the end of the first book is unsuccessful. And, oh, geez, I'm kind of like all over the place. <laughs> there are a lot to be, to be fair, there's so much to it, you know, with the Timothy yeah. Zahn stuff. Like, the, once you start up kind of pulling at threads, it's like, oh, but then there's that thing, there's like the Istamari, and then there's the Katana fleet, and then it's like, oh, there's so much packed in. 
and the oh, way he links up with like Clone Wars kind of stuff, and it's like he actually tries to explain what the Clone Wars was in his book as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just a show of Thrawn being such a he just destroying the New Republic every battle. They just keep getting destroyed, and they just can't beat him because he's so clever. And it's kind of like with um, with Rebels. At the only time, apart from the the end of the Empire, almost the only time he loses is when there's something that you couldn't predict, or some force related thing, or just like mm-hmm. thousand to one odds kind of thing. Like he's every other battle, he's so specific, he knows exactly what's going on. And I forgot to mention too in that book, which we already said like Lando and Han and stuff, it's probably not going to happen, but he steals those mole miners from that mining facility that Lando owns and is working on. And that's a big deal in the Slewis Vaughn attack at the end of the book. There's mm-hmm. just, there's so much now that I think about it. In in Air to the Empire, yeah, there's so much going on in that. And the, the crazy part is I'm reading and I'm listening, and I'm listening and we get to the very end and I'm like, well, they really wrote this to be like he wrote this to be a movie and a trilogy. Like this is so jam packed with everything that we get at the end, and I'm like, more, more, give me more. So, what I love is in there we go to yeah we go to Mount Tantus, which we saw in Bad Batch, and that is where uh, Joris Sabayoth is is stationed, and he's overruling that, and he's the he's the the emperor type of character. He's got electric. Uh, he's got force lightning, which again is like the greatest force power of all time. Suck it, other guys that aren't on this episode. They can uh, they can hate on my my electricity all they want. But I love how there's the introduction of creatures that dampen the force around someone. That is something I think that could get pulled eventually. And how? Nope, that's in a different book, right? Yeah, that's when they get to. Uh, the Bothan dickhead in I mean, uh, the Islamari the, the are in all the trilogy. Um, they they yeah. are from the start because that whole battle, the way Tart Card kind of gets involved is because he's based on yeah. the planet with all the Islamari uh, on it. But there are the nameless in the High Republic, so I wonder if I doubt it, but that could be wow. a link. Wow, so throwing throw mad things out. Sorry, <laughs> wow, okay, dude. If they brought that, well, they it's been long enough, they could have evolve to be just a dampener instead of a killer so that's fair um and it also feeds on other animals that are force sensitive which i enjoyed in is it battle of Jeddah? i think so uh which gives us an answer and i mean we already know between loath wolves and bindu and some other the purgle there are force sensitive beings and just animals out there so i love how they introduce force hunting animals and all these different things in heir to the empire but the whole plot of the trilogy which i think is the important thing to just kind of broad stroke is he is trying to raise the empire and he's utilizing sabayoth as a force sensitive to use battle meditation and battle cohesion that is something that i learned about in the darth bane trilogy um and use it to make the empire stronger in battle and it explains why the Empire fell apart so fast without Palpatine there. And then um, he's also trying to clone and create a, a grand army. And one thing that I love really quick is the Katana fleet. The idea of this, this uh, slave-rigged battle battalion, uh, Star Destroyer 
I don't really think they're Star Destroyers, but uh, the idea that that happened and the fact that it, you know, the the lore behind it is wild. And I think I don't think it'll get brought into this era, but I could see them maybe introducing like we're going to send out this grand fleet into the unknown regions and maybe he knows about it because he found it. One thing that I think might get pulled. Uh, we don't see Thrawn in any point in the unknown regions, really, in, in in the Empire stuff in canon. But they mention how he's like this. He's known as a warlord out in the unknown regions, and he was sent out there to help tame that area uh, for the Emperor near the end of the war, which is why it took him so long to get back. I think that's where my whole he maybe he was in the Chiss Ascendancy thing uh, really comes from. Is there's precedent for him being all the way out there in the unknown regions um what is that bothan's name in the trilogy ferrier yeah that dickhead. failure 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 ferrier is the sorry ferrier is one of the smugglers it's failure okay uh that would be a fun little wrinkle to add to this era i think and i love the the planet they go to and then it turns out they're all working for talent card is that in the first book or the second book no 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 not talent card shit uh the senator from corelia oh that- uh, iblis Iblis, Bell Iblis, yes. Bell Iblis. That's the second book. Yeah, because the second book is Dark Force um, Rising and it's all about the Katana fleet and mm-hmm. how and they're like fighting over it. And then obviously Thrawn basically wins, gets the Katana fleet. And then the third book is all about how is he going to get fill up the Katana fleet? Oh, all these clones he's making in like 20 days. That doesn't seem possible. And that all kind of links in as well. It's just like the Nogri stuff as well. Like speaking of Rook and whatnot, like how Thrawn has this army of like basically... You know, the Nogri are kind of the strength of almost like gorillas, almost. They're smaller, but they kind of, especially in Rebels, when you see how Rook acts and he can fight like Zeb. And obviously in um, in the books, they can fight Wookiees one-on-one as well. So these kind of small, stout, gorilla-like almost aliens and the whole subplot of the Empire enslaving them and that sort of jazz and the betrayal as well. And it's like, it's. It, I mean, I can see now why, I mean, having not read these books prior to this, this conversation and things, or set up for this conversation, the amount that Timothy Zahn put into those books is, is I would say, akin to what the prequels did, lore-wise, of just so much. He named Coruscant. Like, it didn't have a name before him. It, it was called Imperial Center in the comics, in Legends, and then Coruscant's not mentioned in Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the first Legends novel by Alan Forrester, um, Foster, and then after that, that, that's pretty much the content. It was just a few. It was the book, a few comics, and then Zon named Coruscant. So it's like it's mental how much he actually wow. put in. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. Uh, I was just like, yeah, he named like yeah, Coruscant. Of course, I know what that is. And not really <laughs> thinking like this is 1991 that he wrote this when it opened, and it opens like five years after the fall of the Empire. I'm like, what? Whoa. And then they're going through like the new Republic is struggling. And I'm like, what? It's floundering. And most people don't like it. What is happening? They literally ripped, like they put Mando, I feel like they dropped Mando in that era. Dave Filoni did specifically to get to this. And I think that is amazing. And the fact that he's doing the movie and it's allegedly heir to the empire uh, works well. Nathan, sorry for taking over. What, what else <laughs> have we got for this? Um, well, you all have kind of 
covered quite a bit that happened in Dark Force um, with the Katana fleet. I mean, they ultimately end up going to Coruscant, and then the stuff with the Nogri. Um, that was executed so well in the book, it also kind of makes me a little bit sad that we won't get to see that in the show. Mm. Um, and I really liked the that whole plot line with the Nogri, especially in um, the first book when Leia and Chewie get to Kashyyyk and they capture yeah. one of them. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole trilogy because just seeing how Leia is able to turn the tide in her favor. But anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, they go to Coruscant and oh, that's kind of toward the end. And then he, the root thing happens. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. I think you are. I, I think you can say it. Okay, so Rook, I mean, who's been by Thrawn's side and has followed every command. I mean, like you all were talking about earlier, that ensign that's on the Chimera in the first book, he's controlling the tractor beam when Luke fires that proton torpedo and it sucks it up into the ship and then he has Rook kill that guy. So Rook is just this killing machine who follows every command that Thrawn gives him and we, I think we meet him in the very first chapter and he's standing outside of Thrawn's room. He ultimately is the one to kill Thrawn from behind through his chair with a stab through the chest. And I love the last words that Thrawn says. He says, but it was so artistically done. Mm-hmm. And that brings that, that moment brings his character arc in this trilogy completely full circle because the very first time we meet him, he's looking at art. And he's, he tells Pelion something like, you have to learn about your enemies, their art. Even I think I had the quote pulled up earlier because I, I wanted to mention it. Well, I must have got off of it. But he tells Pelion something in about learning your enemy's art and things like that. But that's kind of, that's how he goes out, betrayed by his own personal bodyguard and assassin who's been with him for all this time. But like you all were saying, that obviously can't come to pass now because of what happened in Rebels. So I am appreciative of that fact, though, because I don't like going into things knowing exactly what's going to happen most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But so so I think that I'm excited to see what's going to happen with this. Like you you mentioned earlier, maybe Ahsoka could play into it somehow. That's what I think they're doing. I I think they are trying to, yeah, just do something different. That's what we want. We don't want too much. We we have got a fair amount of Luke content post uh, Return of the Jedi. It's just all in uh, books and stuff. But I'm interested uh, with both of you as well with with the books. As I said, because I literally finished um, uh, His Last Command. Uh, no, The Last Command. I literally finished that like two days ago. And my favorite book, ironically, the Canon Thrawn trilogy, my least favorite book is the second, but my favorite of this trilogy is actually the second. I, I love Dark Force Rising. I found oh, it, it kind of, I found Air to the Empire, to be honest with you, when I first read it, I was, I wouldn't say disappointed, but I feel like it didn't quite pack a punch. I didn't find the, the ending was as climactic. And then when I got in the second one, I was like, oh, that was all just a setup. It was mm-hmm. all, it, it really, as you said earlier, Thomas, like this doesn't feel like, like in the High Republic, every book feels individual. But if you read the three adult High Republic books, they're individual, but they tell a connected story. You could yeah. kind of pick them up out of anywhere. But these three are so interconnected. It is literally just a big story 
that it's almost like, okay, end of paragraph and chapter, that's where the book ends. Pick up the story almost straight after. It almost doesn't feel like three separate books because it's such a a well-done story. So as Nathan is your resident legends expert here of uh, Edge of the Empire, is what's your favorite book? Is it was the first one, the last one? Like, I'm really interested and I'd love to hear both of yours. I love the first one. The first nice. one's my Fair enough. favorite. Fair enough. I'm a huge fan of well-written and well-put-together exposition. And like Lord of the Rings, and I don't know, are you familiar with Lord of the Rings? Okay, so Fellowship is by far my favorite book, and I go between Return of the King and Fellowship of which one my favorite movie is, but Fellowship is by far my favorite book because of the exposition, and a lot of people, um, as far as the movie goes, talk about talks about how kind of slow and sometimes boring I've even heard people say like the Shire stuff is in the first hour of Fellowship, but that's like my favorite part of of the whole movie. I love exposition and I love the setup of things. And for me, it helped on a reread. I don't know that I could have said it was my favorite the first time I read it, but in a reread, it was definitely my favorite one. And I would say for me, although the second book is my favorite, I think so far of everything, my absolute favorite moments are from Ed the Empire. When Mara and Luke are walking in the jungle like I, I love it's a trope but I love it when you've got two people who or two people air quotes a person who hates the other one and you kind of watch them slowly have their mind changed I, I love that bit in the first one I think it, it did such a, a great world building things but not to take over your own show Thomas but what's your favorite of the of the three uh, Legends of the Ron books uh, I'm gonna be honest uh, I, I listen to them so fast together that they blur together um, do you have like a favorite moment then I'm definitely going to have to lean toward Dark Force Rising for the Katana stuff. I just thought that was thrilling. And then they get to a certain point and like it gets revealed that someone's ships, oh, they weren't allowed on because it was the Katana fleet. And like that revelation, like right before it happened, I'm driving into Pensacola for something. I go, it's the Katana fleet. And I just remember like shouting that. And uh, (laughs) it was just like in my car alone. And I was like, let's go. I'm freaking out, right? Uh, and then th- there's something else in that book, which I just can't remember what it is. Is that when Luke and Mara are like, uh, what is Mara doing in that book? Because there's something along with Mara that just really, I was like, wow, that's amazing. I love that. She does She does interact with them a bit more because it's the, she's still with uh, Talon Card, isn't she, in that book? And that's where towards the end of the book is when she works with uh luke and han and stuff and then at the end she obviously gets shot out into space from helping them but that's the kind of she that's does it. have some interaction with him um doesn't she need him to break she needs luke to break talon card out isn't that yep that's, that's what it, what is, it I think. is yeah um because I, I remember she ended up with thrawn and i couldn't remember how she got out of working with thrawn and all that good stuff so yeah, I, she uh, lies she says she's the emperor's hand and obviously she was and then kind of uses that to try maneuver and kind of double cross but then he tracks her back to uh where the rebels are and things i i, I think that's around or the new republic technically <laughs> i was about yeah. to say that's one of my favorite moments from the trilogy is the all of the stuff with her between her and thrawn about being the emperor's hand and stuff i that that's one of my favorite moments and then always a moment that really sticks out in my mind when i think about the whole trilogy is 
my reaction when I read the book for the first time, the very first book, Air of the Empire, and Sabaoth on Waylon shoots his lightning at Thrawn and Peleon, and it just, he thinks he's hitting them, and then he's seeing it just like stop in front of them. And I remember reading that, and I was like, what? Like yeah. That, is this guy, because I'm thinking, is Thrawn this powerful? Like, this is a, a plot twist. And then, uh, I've, how do you say the name of them? I don't want to sound stupid. I think it's, it's Lamari. Yeah, yeah okay. like, yeah, it's, 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 but I think the singular is a different one. I always forget the word for one of them, but the group, I think, is Islamari. Okay. Well, anyways, when I, I remember the first time I read it and finding out what they could do and seeing that, just picturing that moment in my head, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it sounds pretty great in the audiobook, too, uh, with the uh, um, sound effects. There we go. Okay. If you could pick one thing to pull from the Heir to the Empire trilogy to canon, what would it be, Nathan? Wow, one thing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> one thing. One um, thing out of a million. I, my answer is going to be kind of maybe unexpected, but are you saying like something we hope that we see in the upcoming years? Yes. I want to see the relationship between Peleon and Thrawn just okay. as it was yeah. in the books, because that is one of my favorite aspects of those books. And I think that's a realistic, I, I think that could realistically happen. So I agree. I mean, I'd love to see that. And I think my prediction is Eli Vanto is going to come into it and he's going to be like Thrawn. You're meant to be, you know, I think Thrawn's going to lean more into the villain stuff, so he's going to become what he's like in Heir to the Empire, less so than what he's like in the start of Rebels and in his uh, books. And I think Vanto's going to see him like that, and Vanto's going to be like, you're, you're not supporting what the Empire was meant to support. You're actually turning full evil almost. You know, you're reminding me of Vader almost. I don't know if you ever met Vader, but, you know, that kind of idea, I would love that. Um, but for me, I'd say my... My wish. I mean, I think the most common thing people wish for is probably Mara Jade. And I think, unfortunately, her time has passed. I think the way they've structured the new canon, unless they just create an all-new character or she doesn't have a relationship with Luke, maybe, you know, if she had a relationship with Ezra, if he became, if that storyline went off like that, who knows? But I think that my, the thing I'd want, which I'm, we kind of discussed, I'm, I'm highly doubtful they're going to have this, but talent card, I would kill both of you right now for timothy's on to write a tarot card just one-off book you know just to have him the way he speaks the way he just is i just i love his when i did a, re a review for it um and i was basically saying like for me he's like thrawn's not quite equivalent but his his kind of linking what thomas said is like his mind in the smuggling world is kind of what Thrawn is in the Empire world. Like he's so on it with everything and very calm, very measured, but he will be brutal if he needs to be, but he's reasonable and everything he does him involving Luke and his relationship with Mara Jade as in a working relationship, all that stuff. He's such an interesting, complex character. And I think one of the parts of the canon is severely lacking in aside from dark side Sith stuff is a true underground, um, like smuggler, like, 
overlord kind of character. We've got a bit of Jabber. Book of Boba Fett was kind of trying to do it, but I don't think succeed in that way. I would love a Taron card kind of character where it's just a morally gray smuggler type, not a hand solo who's always had a heart of gold, but like an actual genuinely morally gray person who the only reason he would help out is like the end of the galaxy kind of thing. Like the empire being in power is too much. And even in the books, like until right at the very end, he really is resisting that. And that's what I would love personally. Yeah, Talon card is really good. And the, wait, I don't think the only th- character I can kind of compare him to would be um, Benicio del Toro in The Last Jedi. And I can't even remember that character. DJ. Thing. DJ, yeah. It's just like very morally gray. I'm going to go over here. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. I'm going to go over here. Yeah, I got to watch out for me. Like, uh, that's the only character I think we've really seen that's done that in live action for the from the bounty hunting perspective of things or i mean um smuggler stuff i should say but i honestly i don't i don't know i i asked the question because i was like what are some ideas i can have um because the trilogy is so vast and so so much depth i would love to see uh I would love to see some sort of, some form of strong dark force user, which I think leads great to Nathan's prediction of how they're going to bring that forth in this era. Are you talking about the Ezra? I was going to say, Ezra. I bet you, I bet you're betting that Ezra is going to become the new Sabaoth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, I told Thomas about a month ago. I was like, they are going to use Ezra in the same way in the show that Sabaoth is used in the books. I think that, and I'll, I even went as far as to say that the Ezra we're going to see in Ahsoka is going to be a clone like mm. Sabaoth was in the show. Wow. And that Thrawn will use Ezra and maybe those holograms that we see in the trailer to lure Ahsoka and Sabine and the rest of them to where they are. That was my, that I, I think, I don't remember when I texted him that, but I told him I, I think it was after one of the trailers came out and I was like, that's, that's what I think is, is that's my ultimate theory for this show. That that's a cool theory. I wonder if I could take it because uh, I've had a similar theory of what if Ezra, cause he tangled with the dark side in series three of rebels quite a lot in series four, barely at all, but I would, because I'm like, so, so I, I did think I was like, well, so cause a, a, a light side force user and so's Luke Skywalker. And then if you had Ezra as well, it's like, where did these, uh, characters with the blood red lightsabers come from like someone surely had to have done something to them and i wondered if ezra you guys have seen um x-men 2 like from the 2000s you know there's like the anti charles xavier it's like the guy who kind of is kind of his opposite and he kind of puts charles in that horrible mental state i wonder if thrawn managed to use like an islamari kind of thing or a thing like the nameless and kind of captured Ezra and was like semi force torturing him and using that power for his own good and maybe doing it, you know, using that power to make these force hologram projections and use that power to somewhat train up or help these, you know, twist his mind, make him hallucinate so much that he's kind of like not even himself and he becomes mad like Sabayoth. Like something like that would be such a cool idea. And then Ahsoka's growth as a character would be like having to do the ultimate thing that Obi Wan kind of couldn't which is kill someone who's kind of fallen because there's no other choice. Like that would be, I'm not sure I would, I would love 
love Disney to do that, but I'm not <laughs> sure they're going to take Ezra. They're going to turn him bad, but I would love them to so much. That's like, I totally love your theory, Nathan. That would be heavy too. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so heavy. I like the theory though. I like the idea. I really do. That was dark. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've been, I just don't know who it would be, but I do know whomever it is will become Snoke, I think. Which, if you look at Sabiath and you look at Snoke, they're both clones. They're both made from the material of someone else. So who is this character? And we, I believe it was mentioned in a, maybe Rise of the Kylo Ren or whatever comic, Rise of Kylo Ren comic, that the big scar on his face is from a tangle with Luke Skywalker. Uh, Snoke, I'm saying. So whomever it turns out to be, I think is going to be uh, turned into Snoke. So it'll kind of go from there because Thrawn is in charge. So how does, how does the heir to the Empire become the first order with the supreme leader involved? Like there's a, there's a great balance there. And maybe... Maybe it's Snoke who kills Thrawn and, you know, takes over that way, you know, a military coup, if you will. So who will that be? I won't know. I wish I did know. I would love for it to be somebody if um, Kino Loy got cloned just to get <laughs> <laughs> just to get a. Uh, just to get him back, dude, because he crushes both roles so well that like getting him back for a third option and just like, oh yeah, they're clone of this guy, clone with a little bit of this, with a little bit of Luke Jed, uh, Luke Skywalker's hand involved as well. I've heard in the comics, so yeah, the Darth Vader twenty twenty comics. Vader goes to Exegol um, mm -hmm. and finds Palps there, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Oh yeah, yeah, and it ties it. gets blinded, which is quite cool. Yeah, that and that's how it ties into uh, that that visit ties into clone palpy daddy ray getting out of there it like is around the same time period mm -hmm. yeah that's showing a shadow of the surf yeah you're 100 right there oh so much cool stuff <laughs> this is why we have to have book club on certain situations because they're just so damn good and i think maybe we should do book club more often here at the rebellion um i think before the acolyte i'm gonna have to do a high republic I will never forgive you if you don't invite me to that. Uh, don't worry. Ever. I'm looking at that back and I go, yes, someone who also has the words to look at. Well, I can only go back and listen to things. Uh, that's the one downfall. I can't just like scroll through a book to find the page I need for certain things. Um, but yeah, uh, that is wrapping up our, our Thrawn super special. You know, there are nine books and we've covered the broad strokes of all of them here in two and a half minutes. So I want uh, two and a half hours, excuse me. Uh, just imagine if we did it in two and a half minutes. That'd be impressive. But I want to end here with what excites you the most about Thrawn as a character? Because I think that's something we should leave the fans with, uh, leave our audience with is, why should we care about this guy? And I want to start, because I've already said mine, of course, I do believe. I want to start with Nathan, because I feel like you've known him longest. 
I think the first time that I ever met Thrawn, you could say, I was immediately drawn to his uniqueness as a character. I have been a reader my entire life. I've read so many books. I've watched so many movies. And there's really only a small handful of characters that have the qualities that he has and just the intelligence and the wit and the mental strength. And just, it's like the first time that I ever read Heir to the Empire, reading the chapters about him, the Peleon point of view chapters about Thrawn, it was like, this is different than anything that I've read before. And I I think that everybody can be able to appreciate his character as a whole because it is so different and there's really no one like him in all of Star Wars. Yes, good. Uh, Yeah, he's so unique. And at this point in time, he's still the only Chiss that we've seen visually. We've got the books, right? We know they exist out there in the unknown regions, but at this moment in time, he might be the only one we ever get to see in live action, which hurts my soul. Hire me as a chiss. Mike, what about you? What is your, what do you love the most about Thrawn? I think it's the ability to be something different in storytelling um, with the Star Wars live action. You know, one of the reasons I love the prequels so much is because the storyline of the prequels isn't really like most franchises go. It ends on a massive downer. And I know it's a prequel, so you know something bad's going to happen. But the way it opens up and expands the lore is completely different. Like, I like the sequel trilogy. It's, like, visually, it's great. The acting's brilliant. Like, there's so many... I love the sequel trilogy, don't get me wrong. But I feel like they really... With the lack of new ships um, from, you know, the differences between the prequels and the originals and then the original to sequel, the sequels just use all the same ships in the originals. The first order is just stormtroopers. Like, it's it, it just the Empire. Like, a lot of it, especially Rise of Skywalker, is just like a carbon copy of the original trilogy. And I think Thrawn is an opportunity to be something different. You know, I think that in, in episode six, eight and nine the big big baddie is a massive strong powerful unbeatable force user that gets beaten by his own arrogance and it's like i don't need that anymore i want massive amounts of force users you know in the acolyte we're going to get some cat and mouse stuff hopefully when they eventually go back and make live action jedi and sith stuff wars we're going to get some full groups of jedi and against dark side users when it comes to i just don't want a big bad who's just all reliant on his power and the force and because thrawn like bouncing off what nathan said is so intelligent he's such such a tactician he's going to bring about a story of how you know, he's going to get beaten. Let's, you know, let's all be honest here because he's not in the sequels and the Empire isn't taking over in the sequels. It's how is he going to get beaten and how much damage is he going to do? And that's what I want to kind of, I want to see from him the most is the opportunity for a genuinely fantastic space battle. You know, the sequel trilogy was really lacking that. We had a bit of it. We had a taste of it with Poe in The Last Jedi at the start. And it's like, oh, this could be really cool. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do any more of that in literally the next two films. And I want the space battles that is written so well in Timothy Zahn's trilogy and the the clever elements we get from the Canon Thrawn trilogy with his br- being a brilliant tactician and then him outmaneuvering all these heroes we've got who've got these ways of getting out of stuff all the time and them actually not doing that and them genuinely being beaten and ground to like really beaten down. And I want to see that and a way of just not 
an easy way out of winning. That's what I want. I want there to be cost, and I think this can really add to that. And because we're not gonna from this from the low uh, from the trailer of Ahsoka, it's not gonna be reliant on legacy characters. So, you know, all we know about the Rise of Skywalker is that um, the ghost is there. We don't know who's piloting the ghost. Sahira could die. Sabine could die. Ahsoka could die. Like all of them, you know, could in theory die. And because of that, it means there's extra weight to things. Whereas even with reading these books, my only criticism was, you know, all the main characters are going to survive. Lando at points, I knew about Legends stuff anyway, but I was trying to put that to the back of my mind. But there's a couple of moments with Lando and you're like, they could kill Lando. They don't. Um, but <laughs> it's just that legacy thing. I was like, Luke's not going to die in the books, you know, nor is Han or Leia or anything like that. So when you have that, especially with the issues with, we know exactly what happens with the sequels, we need new characters in a sense or characters that we don't know the fates of that's what i'm excited about linking in with thrawn i love that i love the how you you kind of balanced everything together the the past future of the legends and it all really does kind of come through thrawn to change the game to move the the level of storytelling forward and what i do love is if we if we take for what you just said and look at this era of Star Wars that we've been in, they don't lose. There's no losses. Nobody ever loses. The most loss we got was uh, Grogu getting kidnapped and then was back by the end of the season and then given to Luke Skywalker, right? Like everybody won then. So it's very interesting how you're just like, you're saying that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like Thrawn's going to come in. He's going to beat the shit out of everybody. I My hope is that Thrawn is a big presence in Mando season four. Like, he does whatever he does in this. And then after he's like, all right, we got to find those Mandalorians. Or he's just like, you know what? Let's let the Mandalorians do their thing if we leave them alone right now. But there's a very good chance that he's going to go after them. Um, and what I really do love more than anything about Thrawn is he can pop in and out whenever he wants now uh, because of how they're setting him up. I, I'm so excited for three weeks from recording time is ahsoka two episodes i can't fucking wait to do that i i, I sorry i just had a thought that I've, none of us have spoken about or even considered imagine thrawn popping up in series two of andor because that's going to be oh, running concurrent concurrently with rebels yeah so there's going to be things that are going to tie in with rebels we know there's a mon mothma storyline about the gorman massacre the saul guerrero mm -hmm. stuff what if he popped up i don't think he necessarily will but I've only just then thought about it is possible timeline wise for mm -hmm. him to pop up or even just be like a cameo. Like there's a conversation yeah. going around and because Yularen was close to Thrawn in canon and yes. Yularen is in Andor and he's starting to get quite a presence. So what if we get like almost like Dedra Miro is like waiting at the door and then they open you what was he Thrawn come out and that's all you get in Andor like something like that would be. Sorry, I've just, I never thought of that. So for me, I'm really? like excited yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, I think it's because they feel separate in separate eras. Yeah. I think that's why now I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't, don't worry. That's my number one and or two wish is that because, um, I'm like, well, they've already cast them and they haven't started filming yet. And then like, oh, they're starting to film. Okay. Well, in season three or in, in the third, sect of the episodes like that is when he'll be a grand admiral and i think that him and dedra mira uh dedra mira would work great together like when i look at her and she's i'm like that's thrawn thrawn would love her so 
I love that. And I think that Thrawn can now also pop up over in Mando season four for an episode or two. And because of how they've set Mando up for the future, he's just back to the bouncing around like lolly, lolly, lolly goo. Uh, It's going to lead to him uncovering shit that he doesn't want to know about. And that's going to lead to him getting involved and Grogu of it all. Okay, here's a dark question. Do they kidnap? Do you think Grogu gets brought to the first order? No. Do you think Grogu survives? I, I think he will. I, th- I think Grogu will survive. I, 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 but I think he's just going to kind of go off and be a Mandalorian more than anything. But I, d- I don't think he's going to show up in the Ahsoka show. I think it will probably be an heir to the Empire. It'll kind of be the Mandalorians and Ahsoka and the Rebels crew all against Thrawn. I think that's what it's going to be. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Mando died in that. But I think Grogu, I think once they're kind of done with Mandalorian stuff, we're going to get like, Grogu's going to help with the Jedi Order and Rey and stuff years in the future, I suspect. Yeah. I like that. So, uh, Nathan, you don't think they kill Grogu? No. Nah, not their n- number one moneymaker. No. <laughs> You know what, guys? You make good points. <laughs> um, with that, that wraps up officially our Thrawn special. What did you think of this balloon supersized episode of All Things Chiss? Really, it's All Things Thrawn, but to me, it's All Things Chiss. Um, tweet at us at Reckless Rebels, R E C K L E S S R E B E L S on Twitter. You can follow me on all the socials. I called it Twitter again. Get used to it, kids. I'm not changing my uh, my my script here. Uh, tweet at me on all. <laughs> follow me on all social media uh, at T C Rochester Act T C R O C H E S T E R A C T. Nathan, where can everyone find you on social media? Um, I'm also gonna leave you with that art quote from Thrawn because I just found it. <laughs> He's talking to Captain Pelion and he says, learn about art, Captain. When you understand a species art, you understand that species. And that is just after he used art to basically take out the entire Abroa Sky fleet and get the key to Wayland. So anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Nathan Smalls underscore 13. And you can also find some of my articles on the direct.com. Mike, where can everyone follow you over on the socials and uh, find your shows? So you can find me at Genuine Chits Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I'm also on TikTok. I post videos on there very rarely, but there is some stuff on there. Um, but yeah, the normal socials is a great way to keep up to date with what I'm doing. Um, also, you can go to youtube.com slash Genuine Chits Chat as well. That's got every single episode of my uh, Genuine Chit Chat podcast. That's six years of interviews. That's people who've been in Star Wars, people who write Star Wars, uh, a handful of them, but a lot of them are nothing to do with Star Wars at all. I've had authors, actors, um, as well as travelers, other podcasts, podcasters, people specializing in mental health, a magister from the Church of Satan, all kinds of crazy stuff over at Genuine Chit Chat. And every episode of my show, Star Wars Comics in Canon, is also on my YouTube, all in playlists. And I basically go through every single canon Marvel Star Wars comic, go through the plot details, and then along the way, give you bonus information on connective tissue and other stuff like that. You never have to have read a Star Wars comic in your entire life to enjoy the show. And it's a great way to expand your canon knowledge and also just 
what's going on in the comics because a lot of people don't have time to read all the comics well i do i own them all i've read them all <laughs> and you can find out about them too including so a lot of the dark horse stuff that is harder to find because lack of marvel unlimited and i've tackled every single piece of high republic content as well path from path of vengeance book review which is coming out shortly and the edge of balance precedent one but just also thank you for having me on the show <laughs> Yes, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I don't. I don't think I could not have done this alone. Uh, that is a fact. There, I've listened to all the books, literally this calendar year. So uh, my brain was just like, which one is that one in? Oh yeah. So I appreciate you both for joining me, and I totally forgot to take an ad break in the middle. Uh, that's on me. But somewhere in there, don't uh, there will be an, an, a little bit of an ad that you can. Go down to our show notes down here at the bottom in the description of this episode and click on the Audible link there uh, where you can sign up for a free month of Audible and it'll get you one free book. If you're a Prime member, you get two free books for a 30-day free trial. Uh, that's if you've never signed up before or uh, have not been there for 365 straight days. And you also find a link to all nine books featuring Thrawn in the show notes as well. Uh, I have to say legally, I make a little bit off of this if you buy them, which means less to me than if you read the Thrawn books so we can talk about it because I love Thrawn and you should love Thrawn too. Um, those links are down in the show notes. And if you have questions, tweet at us. But gentlemen, thank you so much again for joining me. I cannot wait to chat about Ahsoka in 21 days from now. So exciting. Oh, dude, right? I, I just can't even. Yeah. <laughs> gotta make it. I gotta live that far now. Damn. Sentience and droids, we've reached the end of the episode. Remember, the Force is your ally and a powerful ally it is. We've spoken. Get some twin sunlight and stay hydrated. This was podcasting. <laughs>